Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick who is always at my side, Ho Sway. I'm just never not going to love comics. <laughs> Give or take, or the good and bad, I just, I'm always just going to love comics. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sometimes tough to like comics. Like, oh, yeah. Sometimes, but... Yeah, I'm. I, I love comics too. I'm never going to go back. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I'm going to go and do next is we're going to talk a bit about comics, and we're going to talk about the news. A um, little bit of comic book news that we're going to be um, talking about. Not a ton, but there's some cool stuff that really uh, I'm pretty excited about. So, um, first thing is. Let's talk about DC's Round Robin. Okay. <laughs> okay. So DC's Round Robin is controversial, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, we're not super big fans of the process, uh, but we have learned that the um, basically they've said not only the... Um, the one that wins will go into publication. They made mm-hmm. that clear this time, yeah. but I'm almost certain they said that last time. And uh, okay. so, so we'll see, but yeah, that being said, we are down to the final four. Ooh. Okay. So the final four in the round Robin are Constantine and the demon vacation from hell mm-hmm. going against suicide squad. Dark. Okay. Poor Constantine. And then Green Lantern and the light at the end of forever will go up against Superboy, the man of tomorrow. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I still, I still, I I think I remember how, like how that tweet went now. It's like the final four should, should be in an anthology issue. The final two should get like a one shot. And I was like, the winner gets like the mini, but it's just like, there's just too many good projects that are just like gone. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, dude. Like, uh, like I know. I know. It's like obviously, it's none, none of our business. But at the same time, like, I um, it was nice to know that at least like all the creators got at least got paid for their pitches instead of just like being out in the open and just being left there. Uh, yeah. That was that was that was nice to at least like get some insight on like the company. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. I, it is good. I just it, the whole thing leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It's yeah, hard to talk for, about for sure. without me like just going off. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so, um, I just wish they didn't do that. Just yeah, don't do it. It's easy. So, um, but I, honestly, I mean, out of the final four, out of the final four, only one of those titles are the ones I was actually pulling for from the very beginning. I don't think I was pulling for any of these. Maybe Superman. Oh, uh, the Green Lantern just like seemed like enticing, just because it's something that wasn't from the, the Trinity. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So, all right. Next thing I want to talk about. Ooh, am I a fan of Terry Moore? Anyone else a big fan of Terry Moore? <laughs> uh, I'm not familiar with the name, but what are Strangers in Paradise? Okay. Rachel Rising, Echo. He's he's a legendary artist. You would recognize his artist, right? So. Yeah. Um, he's a creator of Strangers in Paradise. He's multiple Eisner Award winning, by the way. Mm-hmm. He has taken to Twitter to offer he, or to announce he's going to offer his entire catalog of work. Okay. 
Strangers in Paradise, the entire collection. Echo, the entire collection. And Rachel Rising, the entire collection. Which, uh, cover value is $717. That's if you bought it retail, not what it's worth now. He's offering his entire collection for $30. Shut up. For charity. Okay. He is offering, it's pay what you want, but it has to be at least $30. Damn. Oh, my God. And it goes to the Hero Initiative. Nice. So, um, he's already raised over $9,000. Wow. I'm buying this as soon as we get off. (laughs) Um, And because I love Strangers in Paradise, which I think you would really actually enjoy. Yeah, I read it. it. It's a slice of life thing. It's oh, really okay. interesting, but it but it changes, yeah, as it goes on, and it's just really interesting. Like I, I can't really jump too much into it without yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna but it's, it's fantastic. Um, you can find it on Humble Bundle is where you can find that collection. Mm-hmm. But if it's, I, it, I'm assuming it's going to be like a digital. Oh, gotcha. Maybe I mean honestly I haven't looked into this yet, but um, oh he did a Fables issue 107 is was him. Yeah, yeah, I remember that actually. Um, but yeah, you can get his entire thing for this. So I'm very, wow. very excited about this. Um, yeah, and I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna throw a little extra money in there because you know again charity. I like the Hero Initiative; they do really good oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. So. Shout so, out to um, Boosted Pictures for the the the, the three GLA Avengers um, raffle out that that they they were able to do. They pulled a uh, just a little over a thousand dollars for back to the Hero Initiative too. Nice. Yeah, that's really dope, dude. Like, I like that people are actually doing that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and I, I like that uh, also that Abstract, his publishers, fine with this. They're actually supporting it. That's a yeah. really cool thing too. So, um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. I will purchase that, and we'll be talking about that later. I'm sure. So, nice. uh, next up, Supergirl news, kind of. So those who might remember from the show Supergirl, they introduced uh, Dreamer, the first uh, like trans uh, character superhero on a TV show. And I mm-hmm. love, I love Dreamer. Uh, Nicole Maines is amazing. She's beautiful. I absolutely love that character. Um, and when we had the last DC Pride uh, the compilation book, mm-hmm. uh, there was a story written by Nicole Maines about Dreamer oh, that I really liked. Um, well, DC has announced that Dreamer is going to be joining the actual DC universe Ooh. and is going to be in Superman, son of Kal-El 13. Nice. And she will co or, or Nicole Maines will co-write it with Tom Taylor. So that's really cool. I'm really excited about that. I, I really want Dreamer to be a big deal. Uh, right. Cause it's a character I really enjoy. Um, if we ever get the fabled JLQ, that's a perfect character to add to that. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, exciting stuff. So, next thing, a little bit more DC news. This one, Josue might be interested in. DC's White Knights universe is expanding. Oh, ooh. With a spinoff Red Hood series. Oh, that, oh yeah, no, we 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 did we did cover on that. There was a like mm-hmm. that, I said that was a spoiler. I did like where it's like. They reveal it, and then with the little editor's notes, like, to be seen, and oh. the, with the titles, it's like, oh, that's a good way to fucking promote something. Uh, so I'm so fucking excited for that. Yeah, so well, they actually officially announced it's coming in July. 
it's going to be co-written by Sean Murphy and Clay McCormick. Okay. It's going to be done by Simone DeMeo. Oh. <laughs> right? Oh Colors by Dave Stewart. Uh, and um, uh, fuck yeah. Uh, fuck yes. Are you going to jump on that one? I, yes, of course I am. <laughs> yes. yeah. Out of all spin-offs, out of us, since it's so like three se- two sequels in, two idea. spin-offs after. <laughs> you can check out some of the art. There's three images lower down. and Because uh, yeah, it does like a little flashback panel, and I'm so curious who his Robin is. The shot of him, the third one of that art sample, the one on him on the bike doing the wheelie. Yeah. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in comics. <laughs> like, yeah. I love it. So I, I'm, I'm 100% st- in for that. It's only two issues, though. Oh, really? Yeah, the... it's going to be super short. Interesting. I, oh, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I think there was a one shot for... Uh, for the, uh, After the first one, there was a one shot for Mr. Freeze to tie it in. And then, then the second one, it was an actual mini, uh, a Harley Quinn mini. So I'm surprised it's just, just two. Right. But still super dope. I'm all about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, next thing, DC has actually changed Batman's logo. Mm. Uh, and by that, I mean the logo of the book, not his <laughs> bat symbol. Um, it's a minor change, but it's been the same for 10 years. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Honestly, looking at it, it's it's pretty similar, but it's really dope looking. I like it. It does add the bat in the background look from the movies, from the movie, the most recent movie. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like that, but it's really cool. I dig it. So, uh, More DC news. The original artwork for the death of Superman, where Lois is holding him and crying, mm-hmm. has sold for over half a million dollars. Ooh. Yes. Damn, with with the with the with the hairy chest too. I remember that. Yeah. So that that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's a lot of money. I wish I had that much money to blow on something. Seriously. Like that, so. uh, but I always like to bring this up. Next up, last DC news. I promise. Zatanna is having a young adult graphic novel coming out. Oh, nice. It's called Zatanna: The Jewel of Gravesend, and it's going to be done by Alice Arden with art by Jacqueline De Leon and lettering by Ariana Mayer. And it looks very much in the vein of the Beast Boy and Raven kind of style ones. Oh, okay, um, yeah. So that comes uh, out. The, in the, I'm not Starfire one. Well, more of the Raven and Beast Boy. Oh, ones. oh, okay, with that with that aesthetic. Okay, yeah, not that I'm not Starfire because that was more like their art was more like kind of eccentric. I guess is the word I would use. <laughs> this is more like you know what you imagine young adult comic look like, but it looks really cool. Uh, uh, that comes out in July 26th. Okay. Now, switching over to Marvel. We have received, or CBR has received an exclusive look that Marvel's Moon Knight number 13 will start a new story arc. Ooh. And it's a vampire war. <sighs> oh, that's so, that's fine. We're finally getting to it. Okay. Yep. He, it says the new arc begins as he goes to war with the vampires of the structure, but he finds that battle on two fronts, one on the midnight streets and the other within his own mind. Of course. So, so dope. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. Um, one thing I will say that I'm a little, little worried about, not that I don't love him, but, uh, the art is listed as by Federico Sabatini. Okay. Not Capuccio. Yeah. Which is a shame because Capuccio's art has basically made this character iconic. I mean, yeah, really defined this run. So we'll see, but I, I do... I do like Federico Sabatini too, so I think we'll be okay. Uh, but still, the cool vampire arc. I'm down with it. Maybe we'll get a Blade crossover. 
I'm sure there's gonna be, yeah, I mean, this is, that would be like the moment, or even like some mutants. Yeah. Next up, there's a new ongoing series coming out from Marvel called All Out Avengers. Oh, no. that's okay. Now, they're not all gay, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which was my thought. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, no, no. Uh, so basically, um, from what I've gathered is um, it sounds a bit like nonstop Spider-Man. That's what I gathered from it, too. Yeah, where it's like action-based and fun and... There'll be multiple stories in the book, too, because, like, the first one has, like, Captain America and then She-Hulk, and Uh clearly they're two separate stories, so um, I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, I like like me an Avengers book. Um, I don't really purchase any right now, but I could soon, you know? Uh, But, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, too, so. My last bit of news, and this is kind of the biggest news, um... IDW has announced a bunch oh, of new books. with the other Marvel ongoing or the other Marvel book. What, what do we think I was going to talk about? The Leo Williams Marvel book. I thought we talked about it last week. Exterminators, right? Yes. Yes. Exterminators is coming. Uh, remember, oh, we did talk about it. Remember because he, um, the artist put artists on exterminators on his Instagram and I sent that to you. Oh, that's right. And then you took it out. That's right. Yeah, but there was yeah, no yeah. details for it. Yeah, so yeah, we do have Exterminators coming up from Marvel. I do, I did have that. Actually, I saw it on my list, and I was like, oh, we already talked about that. Went right past it. So, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but we didn't talk about it on the show, actually. That was you and me talking just personally. So, yes. So, we're getting a mini. It's a five-issue mini, by the way, um, called Exterminators. And it's going to be written by Leah Williams with art by Carlos Gomez. Yeah. And it will star Dazzler, Jubilee, Laura Wolverine and my girl Tabby Boom Boom. Yes. And I love it. Um I knew I was gonna love this when Leah Williams made a joke about giving Dazzler a dump truck ass. Yes. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be amazing. I and miss then, Leah so much. <laughs> with it, I think the I think it was the artist that asked her is like, so are we going for a parental advisor or T plus? And she was like instantly, that's parental advisory, bitch. So it's like, okay, fuck yeah. I love it. So, and that's such a fun group. It's like, yeah. it's, it's weird because if you look at the list, if you ignore, say, Shadowcat, right? Uh huh. They're kind of three iconic or four iconic females of four different eras. Mm-hmm. So, Dazzler of the 80s, Jubilee yeah. was the female of the 90s for <laughs> X Men. Um, Tabby was New Mutants and then later X Force. And then Laura is the face of the new generation, basically. Right. So it's kind of cool that it's the four of them. I really dig that. So I like that. Or, or we'll be getting into uh, some. Uh, was it the the Blast Sisters? But it's like I like that we have like three like different sort of like Blast type of like uh, powers here. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I'm excited, and also the Exterminators. That's that's a pretty historic name for X Men. Um, I love how they're just like re like just they're they're taking all these names back, like Marauders. Yeah. Storm with the Brotherhood. Like, like I love what Krakoa's doing with the names. Yeah, Exterminators goes back, for those who don't know, all the way back to the Simonsons run in X-Factor. Because when, when the original run of uh, X-Factor was the original X-Men, they uh, posed as villainous versions of themselves to throw the government off, and they were called the Exterminators. Nice. And so, yeah, and so that's where it comes from. And then also there was later... Um, they had their own version of the new mutants that they called the exterminators. Mm-hmm. And that's where boom, boom first appeared. That was her first appearance as well as with Richter. Nice. 
And so, uh, yeah, lots of, and also WizKid, by the way, that's how WizKid started. So, um, but yeah, uh, really cool. That's, I, I, I'm very, very much here for that. So you're right. (laughs) Also, um, I, I, this is just a minor thing, but I love it too much. Jim Bartell is doing a variant cover for Marvel Voices Pride and I'm going to get it 100% because it's got my girl on it. I just sent it to you. Um, and it's, it's sexy. (laughs) Like, Like, Yeah. I am here for Felicia, Felicia's cover. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So anyways, uh, so IDW has announced nine new original series. Now, for those of you out there who were like, IDW's dead. They lost the Star Wars license. So let's go through the list. Uh, First of all, Dark Spaces Wildfire. Uh, This one is coming to us from Scott Snyder. Hmm. Uh, the next one is, um, let me make sure I get these in order. Uh, uh, true cult, but it's K V L T. Okay. Uh, which looks really cool. Uh, it's the cover here. Actually, let me send this to you so we can go through these together. Actually, and make it easier. So if you scroll past the, the big thing with nine covers and a big thing, go past it and there's a summary for each one. Oh, okay. So, so, Dark Space's Wildfire, uh, written by Scott Snyder with art by Hayden Sherman, follows a group of female inmate firefighters deep into the smoldering California hills where their desperate heist of a burning mansions will lead them to the score of a lifetime. Oh, that when they take dope. them out to, to help out like that. Oh, shit. Okay. So, they pull off a heist while they're doing it, which is great. Oh. True Cult, look at the aesthetic for that, right? Like, <laughs> that looks great. Uh, so... Uh, five Issue Mini, written by Br- Scott Brian Wilson with art by Liana Kangas. Yeah. Introduce Marty Tarantella, a down-and-his-luck loser whose last-ditch scheme to escape a lifetime of fast food service sets him on a collision course with a cult of violent devil-worshipping lunatics. That sounds right up your fucking alley. That's like my book right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like, uh-huh. Uh, Crashing, uh, five-issue mini written by Matthew Klein with art by Morgan Beam, throws open the doors of an emergency room filled with casualties of a superhuman war. Amazing concept, by the way. Yeah. Uh, a doctor on her own path of addiction and recovery faced the most dangerous day of her medical career. Next up, Earth Divers, uh, ongoing series written by Stephen Graham Jones with art by David Gianfelice, uh, unites four indigenous survivors in an apocalyptic near future as they embark on a bloody one-way mission to save the world by traveling back in time to kill Christopher Columbus <laughs> and prevent the creation of America. That's probably my favorite sentence I've ever said on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, this cover is insane. It's beautiful. I love it. So, uh, IDW's got some really good ideas coming, dude. Uh, yeah, uh, they do. Dead Seas, written by a six-shoe mini, written by Kevin Scott, mm. with art by Nick Brokenshire. They're also dealing with some major talent here, which is yeah. really cool. So, uh, transforms a cynical convict into a reluctant hero when he's trapped on a sinking prison ship swarming with ghosts. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, uh, Golgotha Motor Mountain. Uh, just the name. I'm so stoked. This is the one written I saw by today. our boy Matthew Ehrman mm-hmm. and Lonnie Nadler with art by Ryan Lee. Uh, I didn't know. I saw him tease. He's like, I have a, I have a comic book announcement tomorrow, and then yeah. Lonnie Nadler is like, we have a comic. Yes. <laughs> like, and then I got so fucking excited. Yep. High octane redneck motor massacre about two meth cooking brothers and their attempt to make it home in one piece as all manner of cosmic alien horrors are hot on their trail. This is and, probably what I wanted from um, Scumbag. <laughs> and then Arca, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really 
enchanted by Arca already. Hmm. Um, it's a graphic novel. It's written by Van Jensen with art by Jesse Longeren. Leaves a dying earth behind as billionaires establish a luxurious new society out in the stars, tended by teenage indentured servants. Hmm. One girl discovers that the good life promised for their years of servitude is a lie. I really like the cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really engaging. So, And then The Sin Ben. Uh, six issue mini written by Robbie Thompson with art by Molly Mur- Murakami. Uh, hits the road with a washed up hockey player. Well, you know how to sell me a book. <laughs> uh, Dale Dukes du- Duquesne, who moonlights as a monster hunter during away games with, with his daughter Cat in tow, hoping to find her mother's killer. Ooh. That's an amazing concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then The Hunger and the Dusk. Oh. I need a good fantasy book, man. Fuck yeah. We and do. not only is it a fantasy book, it's a 12 issue written by G. Willow Wilson. Yes. That sells me immediately. Art by Chris Wild Goose, which looks amazing. Yeah. Upends an age old conflict between humans and orcs by introducing a new deadlier species. Fragile alliances form, unexpected romances blossom as former enemies wade into battle together to save their two races. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So many great books here. Like, honestly, it's like, how can I not go for like all of them? But I know I'm going to have to do some cuts. But damn. It's it's literally a shopping list for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, it's not fair. They better not be coming out at the same fucking time. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. So the the Matthew Ehrman one book, because like, obviously we, we follow him and everything. Um, that one I was really, I'm really fucking excited for because it's like, it's it's Ehrman with Lonnie Nather, which is like, it's it just gives me like all the vault vibes because uh, Lonnie did um, uh, Black Stars Above, which is like mm-hmm. their, one of, like one of, like their first horror books, and now partnered up with Matt and with Matthew. It's just like, oh, this is gonna be such a killer book. Yeah, I'm probably most excited for the G Willow Wilson book. Oh, for sure, because I mean, it I, looks like such an amazing like fantasy epic, and that's 100% Liz's aesthetic. Oh like, yeah, she will love it. So, well, I mean, like they're, they're all like uh, five or six issue minis, and this like straight up a twelve issue story. So it's like, fuck yeah, yeah I'm excited for that one. Yeah, there was only one ongoing announced, mm. but they did they did make a note that they're interested in basically shopping all these for multimedia for movies, TV. Things I'm pretty like sure right now they're just shopping uh, creators on see who wants to stick and like be around. You know, like these are all yeah. great names. Yeah, uh, but that's it for news. Did you have any other news? Um. I just just going back to DC, just because like like they're just so they make it so easy to just talk bad about them, but then they turn it around and be like ah, and just like yeah, I I I, I get it now, but it's just like you know what you you know what you're doing, DC, and that's and that's I mean like big fucking kudos uh for for Ron V and um Rafael Albuquerque for scoring Detective, Detective Comics. And here, here we thought we were gonna get another bad title, but they're just uh, they're being the new creative team, and it's just like that's awesome. But it's like, uh, I waited just teases with that one. Uh, what? I didn't hear about this. Wait, really? No. Yeah, no. It was um, uh, it was Ramvi was uh was tweeting teasing. He's like, oh, I'm uh, I'm excited for this new project. And then the next day, it was like him with the bat symbol. So Twitter was like, ah, here we go, another bad uh... a bad book, guilty. And then the day finally came, and it was them taking over for Detective Comics. It's like, okay, well, that's that's pretty fucking cool. And him wanting to re- revive this uh, this uh, actual like Gotham aesthetic with it, like this like throwback with it. Like, it looks really fucking cool. I mean, that's cool. But I've loved Mariko Tamaki. Yes, I, I, I know you're going to be her on that one too. Like that really bothers me. Um, I mean, I like Rompy a lot, so I'll probably get it. But still. Like, she was, like, what, the first female ever on Detective Comics as the head writer? Oh, I think so. Yeah, you're right. And she lasted, like, a year. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, uh, yeah. 
Uh, maybe she's moving on to something else. Something maybe. better. <laughs> so anyways. All right. Last thing I want to talk about. It's not really news. Okay. This is my surprise. Um, I picked up my comics this week. I went to, I went to Greg's. And I was still sulking over the fact that the Gwen Stacy was gone. And I was looking up on the wall. I'm like, I'm going to buy myself something else. <laughs> and I saw something that I don't own that is very important to me. And I asked him how much it was. And it was a very reasonable price. It was between $20 and $30, so I'm not insane. As you know, I started reading comics because of the Simonsons, Ooh. especially X-Factor. <gasps> and now, one of the few issues I never owned, I own now. Uh-huh. And that is the first appearance of Archangel. No shit! Oh my god! That's yes. gorgeous! Right? Like, it's just so good, dude. Like, like oh, I have the... the like the, the, the bloody X-Force one from like the late 2000s. Um when it does an homage like him like diving into like like yeah the front like that ah that's so cool yeah so that's one of the few x factor issues i didn't own from that run mm-hmm. because it was the hard one to find right. <laughs> and that in the first real appearance apocalypse i have i have the cameo of apocalypse but not the first appearance oh sick. Um, okay. but yeah so it was like 26 bucks or something and i'm that's like dope. I'm like, I'm going to get that. Yeah, why not? And I told him the story of my Simonson love. He's like, oh, that's awesome. So I mean, between it's like between like a like a a, a new this week variant or that or this issue. Like, fuck, yeah, it's just pretty good. Yeah. So that being said, let's get into some comic books. Fuck yeah. Uh, lots of talking already, but we're going to start talking about some books that came out this week. Way, as always, we start not with a bang, but a boom. Ooh. And Boom Studios has two books this week that we're going to talk about. First of all, Angel Number 4. Written by Christopher Cantwell. Illustrated by Daniel Bayliss. Colored by Patricio Del Peach. And with assistance by Maria Agustina Vallejo. Letter by Becca Carey. Um, so yeah, basically Team Angel actually goes on the offensive to fight the uh, the Sorrow Demon. And uh, it's actually really, it was probably the funniest issue so far. I really liked it. Um, and it has to do with the Grusalug and stuff like that. I really, uh, I, I dug it. Um, I feel bad for Wesley. He seems to have a bad time of it all because <laughs> he was like my favorite angel character. Him and Fred, Fred, him and Fred are like my my favorites. Um, also, uh, there's a there's a funny bit with some um, with with some antibiotics because they're they're fighting a poop demon basically. So it's like they got to make sure they have antibiotics to prevent infections and stuff. So it was a good issue. Um, definitely the funniest issue so far and uh yeah we'll see i'm gonna i'm gonna keep keep up with it so uh, only four four issue arc which was interesting so next up seven secrets number 16 (laughs) written by tom taylor illustrated by daniel danuculo letter by ed dukeshire with coloring by walter bayamante and katia ranali they just start with Titus's funeral. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "You sons of bitches!" <laughs> like, you had to remind me. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this issue. I think it's setting up really cool, and I think it's really interesting that um, they go back to fairy. Yes, and how everything's going to be happening, and like coming to grips with who he is and stuff. And so this is sixteen. I'm guessing we're going to 18. Right? I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought that's what we kind of like figured out too. It does say next, the end of everything, but I still mm-hmm. think there's going to be an issue after that. So. Right, right. Uh, it does end in a very dramatic fashion, which we'll say. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the highlight for me oh, I bet. this week was the queen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Where 
I presume it's Arthur because he has Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Is like, oh, hello, who are you? And she's like, I'm the Queen of England. He's like, oh, I was once Britain's king. She's like, oh, small world. And he pulls out Excalibur. He's like, ha ha, sticks in a rock. He's like, if you say who you are, pull it out of the stone. She just pulls it out, and he's like, what? <laughs> like, so can I keep it. this? <laughs> I like the it's yours to build against the upcoming guard. She goes, sweet. <laughs> like not even with an exclamation mark. She's like, nice. Like that's cool. So I really liked that. Um, this is a really good issue overall. I love the Fae. It makes me want Danielle Danucula to do like a Fae-based story. Oh, yeah. Because the art is so good. cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really enjoy that. So what do you think, dude? No, I, I just all start with the Fae. Like, I, I love them when they're like, oh, Kaspar, you remembered you can fly. It's like, oh, like I, I want, I at least want a mini of his childhood. Like, I, I want like an expanded yeah. story of those times. Um but no, this whole this whole fucking book is awesome without going to spoilers because this book this issue was very fucking epic. But again, like the queen with like the rock, and then later when the shit's the fan, and and she was like, "Kaspar," the way she just throws the sword, and he and he just like catches and just fucking kicks ass. Yeah. Also, back to Titus's funeral where they bury him with with the case. with the whole holding <laughs> being the holder. Yeah, you bastards! <laughs> like, stop it! You know what you're fucking doing. <laughs> like, it's not fair. But yeah, great issue. I'm kind of terrified this book's ending i know (laughs) like like, i hope we get something very similar to take its place so next up the after the boom of course we talk about the aftershock and aftershock comics i got one book this week and it's a one shot Mm. called midnight rose written by jim starlin art by nicole jelenic color by dc alonzo and letter by dave sharp so this is the cover Yes. Which is one of the sexier covers. Um, this is the inside page. Ooh, that's blood. It's red. It's bloody red. This book is insane, and you would so love it. Okay. Um, basically, imagine if you gave Poison Ivy to a publisher that does not care about keeping up with appearances. That's mm-hmm. kind of what this is about. This chick, it, it basically tells the story of her life. Um, when she's born, her mother dies. And they say, oh, it's a rapid infection. And they don't talk about what happened. But then you see a shot and her mother has plants growing out of her. Like, just tumbling onto the floor. Oh, man, yeah. So, she's raised in a foster family because her dad abandons her. Um, and she slowly comes to realize that she has the power to basically control plants in a way. And it goes through her whole life where she dates this guy and she thinks it's true love and he breaks her heart. And so what she does is she, um, she does this to him. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Like she basically can turn humans into plants. And which led to this shot of her laying in bed with his plant corpse. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, it's it's it gets intense. Um, and then she becomes basically a serial killer for a while, just doing that to guys that cheat on girls. She gets arrested, she's able to get away. Um, she changes her identity, she falls in love, gets married. Uh, they have a kid, or or no, they don't have a kid, sorry. Um, he ends up dying well, like he he loved her, and she's like after his funeral, she goes, she's an old lady at this point. She goes into the woods and she just transforms herself. Oh, cool. Okay. So, and then you can see right this, this sequence right here is the best. 
where she's mm-hmm. just slowly consumed by it. Yeah. She turns into a giant tree, and as she does, you see these little roots popping up. Mm-hmm. And the next page, they start forming into trees with it form into her daughters. Ooh, oh. And that's where it leaves off. Oh, shit. This is up there with those Aftershock big size ones, but this is okay. normal size. It's just yeah. super thick. So really cool. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I liked it more than I thought I would. Actually, mm. I really thought that was great. So next up, we're going to talk about Dark Horse. Josue, start me off with Daisy number five. Oh, fuck, dude. Okay, Daisy number five. Colin Lorimer, uh, story and art, colors by Joana La Fuente, and lettering by Jim Campbell. Oh, my God. What a book, dude. So last time, where we last left, last left off, Daisy finally figured out who she was. She went through this trial because she figured out that, like, her daddy, the the angel that was rejected by God, based on, like, through, like the Book of Enoch, um, she found out that he was kind of, like, giving all these kids, like, the curse to kind of become conduits so that angels can kind of go through them so they can go back to heaven. That's, like, what it was at face value, but that's not what it was at all. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it got left off where, like, because he showed up and he had killed the the mom, the, the, one, that, the one we started with that was, that was looking for her son, um, and he took over um daisy right right as she was gonna like fucking like uh um take over uh, on that that afterlife side when again like the whole berserk reference he possesses her body and he starts talking i mean like yo like eyes eyes wide like he starts like pretty much like killing everything like all like like for like where those kids like when they like transform into like those actual monsters that she had to like kill but she but she rejected it because like well she loved them so much they were like basically her siblings as well um he takes over and just pretty much just eviscerates starts eviscerating everybody and he's making her watch but then we get everything he starts confessing that what he's been doing is that he like so daisy and her 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 line her like her all the way down to like the ultimate creator not our ultimate god but the one after that one as we got revealed last time super fucking dope um he's been taking care of them because they're the only line to be able to contact the ultimate creator but the curse prevents it like like what what she's been like kind of like having this whole time and and the whole time he's been kind of judging them or taking care of them to judge them to see if they were good enough um, because every other child has just has been crushed by like the weight of it all. Once like he was ready to take that step forward to, to, for for his plan, and Daisy rejected his will just as his son did before before her. Jesus, <laughs> but unlike him, you will not be. She will not be silenced. It's like okay, fucking cool. What was Jesus really all about then? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. This book that was kind of like, oh, it's just, it's taking uh, inspiration on the, the book of Enoch. It's like, no, daddy, pretty much I call on the voice of a, the lesser God, the scribe who records all. I call on Enoch and she calls through and he calls through her and it's like all the deities behind her, behind her. Yeah. Oh, so he shows himself and it's like, hello, Basilio. And these two have had this, have concocted this plan for millennia, for two millennia or fucking before that. And 
he asked them if they're ready and it's like no fuck are, are we ready from like we were punished for the chaos and despair that he endowed with us while at the same time tortured with the light of hope that also burns within it's like oof yeah these, these dudes just do not want to be here anymore <laughs> in that very much sense not even to go back to heaven this plan was to use daisy or to use um an offspring from the ultimate creator so that in this in this point daisy like basically daisy starts speaking in in god form basically and in this part like all these like roots are all, all these roots on his start like yeah coming up and it starts stabbing going into like these angels and, and enoch and it's reverting them it's, it's it's giving them the curse that the kids had it's making them flesh and blood flesh and bone making them mortal and this whole time the plan was for this angel to just basically kill off the voice of God and start over, write a new story, a better one. <sighs> she kills Enoch. She fucking, he, he, they decapitate Enoch. And as the blood is like going down the sword and it's like revealing like some scripture on it, it's like reveal the curse, allow the child to mend the lesser God's works and become the caretaker of this world. Daisy, you are fr- and during this whole time, Enoch has been saying, as he was struggling with like all the pain, he was like, hurry. He was hurrying him up, hurrying them up, being like, hurry, he knows. And this motherfucker controls the dying mom for a last second and shot, shoots one last buckshot at daddy's head. And it's just like a full-on kablam of a headshot. Jesus. Nothing changes. They both die. Daisy gets stuck in the other side. Daisy gets stuck on the other side and is able to fucking re, re, reword stuff, rework stuff in her own way. Maybe not here, but she's out there in a better spot and she's just writing a, uh, better stories. I fucking love Daisy so much. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a cool epilogue. It's, it's very kind of like, it's not open-ended, but it's kind of like, uh, I'm wondering if it, t- if it touches back on, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure she, she also rewrote the story of like, the mom that looking for her son and like actually have them together, not him wander off. But fuck dude, this little, this little book that started and just became this whole other fucking thing. Oh my God. Dude, I just love the series and this, <laughs> what a conclusion, what a fucking ending. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to pick up the trade cause I've been enjoying what you've told me, but I didn't jump on it one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it ended well. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, continuing with Dark Horse, I'm going to talk about Breakout number one. Uh, So, cover. This one's interesting. I really like it. Um, Written by Zach Kaplan, art by Wilton Santos, uh, colors by Jason Wordy, and letter by Jim Campbell. Uh, So, the the beginning of it uh, is in a school, and it's like an alarm going off, and the kids running for their lives. And it's like, this is a typical high school. These are typical students. This is the new normal. And the next few pages are very much a metaphor for school shootings, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, also, a little bit of COVID, I think, in there, too. Ooh. Where it's basically, like, it reveals, like, um, where basically they decided that this is normal. It says, what is normal? Is it normal if it happens every single week? Is it normal if you're used to it? Is it normal to not know if these alarms are for a drill, if it's really your turn? And it's like, you know, wow. we're pretending everything is fine. You know, the, the adults gave up trying to stop it. They tell us to just accept it. Oof. And uh, I'm like, okay. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. But then we reveal 
aliens. <laughs> so <laughs> so okay. these these aliens have shown up and they they're these big cubes and they basically every other every few days or so swoop down and take young people and do whatever. And um Basically, we find out through because some of the kids keep their phones on them, so they're able to send a video from in prison. Mm-hmm. They're in prison; they're not being killed. Yeah, um, but their phones are taken away immediately. Um, basically, our main character, his little brother, is taken, and he's like, "I'm absolutely not going to just sit by and let this happen." So he decides we're going to do something about it, and he gains he gathers a group of kids together for a heist <laughs> to rescue these kids to break in. <laughs> So they all have their skills, including one girl who is a cheerleader. He literally recruits her just because she's a cheerleader and because she can be thrown really high. <laughs> He's literally like, how, have you, how high have you been thrown? She's like, I hit 11 feet once. Ooh. And then it's like, it, it does like a heist recruitment like uh, montage. Okay. It's fantastic. Uh, we get this, this, uh, this character goes by Nate. And oh. it is awfully cute. Yeah. And um, th- they're uh, they work in um, they're they're um, a welder. I'm assuming in shop class. So they're like, hey, how do you get through a foot of titanium? And they're like, we can do this. And it's like, okay. And then there's like other people. Like they just recruit this whole team. And he basically pitches it to them. We're gonna break in and get everybody out. And so yeah, it's gonna be a high story. And it reminded it, it thematically it reminds me of stuff like um the faculty. Oh yes. And movies from that era. That's what this feels like. It feels like something like that. Uh, I really, really like it already. I like I always really like those kind of school movies where the kids are a little bit edgy. Right. Um I fucking love it. I love the faculty so much. <laughs> there was one I really, really liked, and now I can't remember the name of it. It had Katie Holmes in it. Oh, where no where they were mind controlling the kids to keep them docile had Nick Stahl. I loved that movie growing up. I can't really, I can't remember it, but um, yeah, I really like this. I think it's really cool. Um, so funny I love, to, Oh, good. Uh, it's so funny to plan a heist against aliens when it's like, what they're not in the future. So it's kind of like, they don't have the technology to keep up with them. That's the thing. Also, they might not be aliens. There's, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going mm-hmm. along. Okay. That they might be people from the future, humans from the future. Oh, okay. So, but for what purpose, we don't know. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah very interesting. interesting. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's got a good hook. The art's fun. And it definitely gives me a vibe of those kind of like teen, like light horror looks. Right. You know what I mean? When it's like a, a group from like each click and they all kind of band together. <laughs> Yeah, there is definitely like a click thing. Like, and that's the other thing is just like, yeah, you know, oh, but you're a cheerleader. It's like, there's aliens, motherfucker. Like, it's, <laughs> like, it's like, that's the last thing we need to worry about. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. Um, Disturbing Behavior was the movie I was talking about. Love Ooh, that okay. movie. Um, I was just looking it up while we were talking. So, uh, it's a good book. Next up, Norse Mythology number three. <sighs> Story Words by Neil Gaiman. Uh, script and layouts by P. Craig Russell, letters by Galen Showman, art by Colleen Duran, David Mack cover, of course. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, sorry. Like the, is, the Loki across her hip is like, was really nice. Oh yeah. yeah like, uh, like zoom in a little bit. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And it says, look into the face of, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so yeah. Norse mythology number three. This is the death of Baldur. Oh, yeah. Which means we are on a path. 
path to something I I don't know if I'm ready for because the death of Balder, if you don't know, is what leads to Loki being punished and locked away. Oh. Which is what leads to Ragnarok. Yeah. Um for those who don't know the legend, I'll quickly tell it because I'm pretty familiar with it. Uh, so the death of Balder. Balder ba- basically is invincible, is the whole gimmick. Um, he's invincible. He can't be hurt by anything. It's because um, his mother walked around uh, basically asking everything, hey, would you not hurt my boy? And everything's like, of course we won't. Balder's amazing. So everything was agreed not to hurt him. And so he's invincible. Everything, Nothing can hurt him because they all made a pact not to. Which is a ridiculous concept, but I absolutely love it. Um, the only thing she didn't ask was mistletoe, because it was so tiny. What's mistletoe going to do? Loki, being Loki, is like, oh, he's weak to mistletoe. I will make a dart of mistletoe. <laughs> and then Loki, being Loki, it's not enough that Loki just kills him. Yeah. That's not duplicitous enough, duplicitous enough for Loki. Loki finds Baldur's brother, who is blind, and is like sitting there being like, because remember in the last issue, they're all hitting him with stuff and it's like bouncing yeah. off and breaking. His brother's like, I want to play. Why isn't he talking to me? And Loki's just like, oh, here, throw this at him. <laughs> and then he throws at him and it's great because everybody's laughing the entire time. It's like, ha ah. ha He throws it and the laugh stops. Ooh. And then he's like, brother, <laughs> like what oh. happened? And then the best shot in the entire issue is Loki right here creeping up in his ear. And he goes, you killed your brother. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So basically in the end, they're trying to get him back. And the idea, is, um, um, Hela agrees to let Baller go back. If they can get every, every thing on the planet to agree to weep for Balder. Oh, and everything agrees to weep for Balder, except for one thing, an angry giantess who is unhappy and doesn't care. So Balder has to stay in hell. <sighs> they find out that not only did, did Loki actually plan this, but Loki posed as the giantess. Oh, okay. So he's like, ha ha. So in the next issue is going to be the trial and punishment of Loki. Well, it's not much of a trial, to be honest. Um, but, <laughs> it's a kangaroo but, court. Yeah, it's basically, yeah. <clears throat> so Loki will be punished, and that's when he's <coughs> tied to a rock. Mm-hmm. With a snake dripping poison oh, yeah. his face, like we saw recently in the mm-hmm. Thor run. Um, that's how he gets there. Uh, that's what leads to Ragnarok, is him, that punishment. So, Wait, so you think it'll have like similar effects in the, on the Marvel side, since we kind of did leave it like that? We've already done Ragnarok, though. <laughs> I guess so. Like three times. 20 ago. years ago. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be interesting if we do go fully into Ragnarok. I'd like to see that from Neil Gaiman's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's very, I don't want to use the word biblical, but that's the way that Western audiences would understand it. It's very yeah. big, lots of things happening, lots of visuals and stuff. So yeah, this, this book has been really awesome and charming. So I'm very curious to see how big it'll go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good stuff. Um, next up last book from dark horse. Last Flight Out, number six of six. Written by Mark Guggenheim. Art by Eduardo Ferragato. Colored by Mentalio Marquez. And letter by Diego Sanchez. This is the one where the people are abandoning Earth because it's basically the entire environment's failing. And the guy's building the arcs. He's trying to get out. 
but he refuses to leave until he has his uh, daughter with him. They fly to Chicago, finds his daughter, finds her boyfriend, which happens to be his ex-assistant, and he tries to get them out, and they're like, we don't want to leave. Long story short, they get betrayed, and leading into this issue, they'll go up to Canada because he has. he's like, I have a prototype up there that can get us up to the ship because the ship had already taken off. He said, we can catch up to it using this prototype. We just have to get to Canada to find it. And that's what this issue is about. It's about them getting there. It's about him and his daughter reconciling, talking their problems out, which is really great. And she reveals that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And as they get the shot, the rocket ship working, they're like, hey, we're, we're too heavy. We're, we're just too heavy here. Like, we need to drop like 200 pounds. Uh, all the math says I'm not gonna, we're not going to be able to catch them before this heavy. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. I've already taken care of it. And then so they get in the ship. They're ready to launch off. He's like, oh, wait, there's something stuck outside. Let me go grab that. And he walks out, locks the door, and launches it no. without, him, without him. Yeah. He, he He's like, take care of my grandchild. No. And it's like, oh, no. And so they take off. And there's a fun little stinger at the end if you've been paying attention to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, which honestly could justify another another series mm. i would like so but this is really good i've really enjoyed this it's been a roller coaster <laughs> and um i i really I, I just really liked it i like i like the the parent story of it all so really good stuff next up we're going to talk about image comics Josue, let's start with image and i have one solo mm-hmm and then we have a couple shared books. My first yeah. solo is, or my only solo is, A Town Called Terror, number one. Mm-hmm. Written, uh, well, created and written by Steve Niles. Okay. Drawn and writ- written, or it's drawn and created by Simon Kudransky, Um, who you might know, I believe he did Superman, I want to say. Okay. Uh, Steve Niles, as you might know, 30 Days a Night. The I guy mean, that created 30 Days a Night. So To, to me, things. it's, uh, to me, Steve Niles, like, I, I Steve Niles is such and go with me, but like I, I can never, never not love um, Frankenstein Alive Alive with um, Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. Fantastic book. So one thing I'll say about this book, first of all, it's a glossy paper. It's very glossy, very nice. Ooh. Like very, every page is very nice and very shiny. And it's very much a visual story. This okay. is an interesting book. So this dude is in bed with his wife. A bunch of dudes come in and kidnap him, basically. Take him away. Shoot him with some darts. Drag him away. Um, Before that, though, the very intro is a... uh, What appears to be a coroner working on a body, right? Mm -hmm. He's putting the body back together, essentially. And he does. And the guy's... When he puts the head back on last, the guy's eyes open up and he goes, maybe next time put my head on first. Okay. And he... And so this dude just gets up. He's fine. Yeah, he's not fine. He looks awful. Yeah. Anyways, so they kidnap this dude, and when they find him, or when they're talking to him, um, they say, um, he says, I suppose my father wants to see me. He says, your father has died, sir. That's why you've been summoned. He goes, dead again, huh? Like, huh. And so it's like something's going on here. And it's all about this town called Terror. The name of the Ooh. town is Terror. And... There's a lot of gothic imagery, and he calls it a secret hidden town of monsters and freaks. So I think this is going to be very Frankenstein-y, based on what I know of 
of Doug Niles. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be very Frankenstein-y and, um, like, gloomy and maybe touch on a lot of those, you know, existing things. So, uh, I, I really dug it. Um, I also really like this last shot of that's, that's his wife trying to find him. Yeah. And you see this, I wish I wasn't getting so much clear today. Uh, you could see like a demon statue like a demon right there. Back, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. I really liked it actually. Uh, very visually nice. So cool. Super gloomy too, which I really liked. So, um, next up, let's talk about Noctera number nine. <laughs> Written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel, colors by Marcelo Maiolo, and letter by And World. Um, so in the last issue, we kind of got to see that the group is planning on teaming up with Blacktop Bill as much as they could mm-hmm. um, because he's a piece of shit. And we kind of see that in action a little bit in, in that we see that they don't trust him at all. Yeah. And they basically keep him locked up. Um, they get into a fight and there's a really great moment with, uh, with his car <laughs> where he's like, Hey, press that button. <laughs> it's just like, it just feels like what a sick person he is, which is great. Um, I like the development of the crew as a group because originally we only had like two or three main characters that matter. Right. And now we have like people that like a lot of people that matter, which I think is really cool. So, um, but yeah, I think it's going along pretty good. I'm very curious to see what happens when they get where they're going. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm also really liking the young girl. Her name escapes me for the moment. Piper? But Piper, yeah. How she's become like the main character. Yeah. Like it's really shifted to her. I thought that was really interesting and I like it. So Yeah, pretty seamlessly too. Like definitely, yeah. I would say like the, the first the first arc was about like the sister and like her trying to keep it all together. But yeah, no, like now, but Piper also has like an important role, so yeah, I I did like that too. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. What do you think? Uh, no, it's, it's definitely fun. I, I fucking blacktop Bill, man. Like I, his his revelation where he's just like, yo, you think I'm fucking bad? Like I come from like where like the worst of the worst are. It's kind of like, and then we're going there. Like okay, like it, it's it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, oh my god! In the beginning, when when they're going through um their what ifs like what if the big pm didn't happen where would they be oh yeah be just being a mom and then in the fields like oh i love the shot and you see their backs it's like ah oh, she's amazing i really like that too yeah <laughs> okay next up we're going to talk about rain number four so i have a confession to make yeah i've really liked rain a lot mm-hmm. so i went and found the short story and read it oh no shit so i know how this ends <laughs> <laughs> god damn it keith we're like what issue away I know. I just couldn't help it. I've been really enjoying it. Uh, it's in a short story collection for Joe Hill, so check it out. It's really okay. good. Uh, there are differences. Mm-hmm. Not gigantic differences, but definitely adaptational differences, I would say. so. Okay. Okay, so stories by Joe Hill, adaptation by David Boer, art by Zoe Thorogood, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letter by Sean Lee. You think those are, like, you think the, the changes are, are David's adaptation differences? I think they're kind of what needed to happen. Oh, uh, okay. To, because when you adapt, there's things that just have to go. Otherwise, why you don't need to adapt something if it's perfect already. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, in the last issue, we got to see that um, our main character is abducted by this this criminal dude who killed the cop, and he's like, you know, drive me here. And um, honeysuckles like has no fucking chill that lasts like three pages i know we were kind of worried that was going to go on a long time it right. did not. um he did not sur- or he, he they didn't even get very far from where they started basically mm-hmm. 
So that's hardly any of the story, but then we get into the main story, which is just devastating. <laughs> so Honeysuckle's going back to see Yolanda's dad because he's the only one of the family that wasn't with them when the <clears> others <throat> died. So he, she needs to see if he's dead and tell him if he's not that his family's dead. As she approaches their neighborhood, she runs into a neighbor who's a racist, homophobic piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Talks shit to her. She's like, that's interesting. And um, she goes inside and finds Yolanda's father dead, but tied up. So fucked. Tied up with all the spikes through him. So someone someone left him. It was actually outside. He's tied to the fence. Yeah. Inside, sorry. And so she's trying to, like, you know, save the body and stuff. And she's she's able to get it inside and stuff. As it starts raining, as it starts sprinkling. Yeah, exactly. So she's, she's obviously this is upsetting to her because that's basically her. He calls her uh, himself his her second chance dad. Her do over dad. Do over dad. That's right. Yeah, do over dad. Which I was like, oh. And then she uses it very interestingly, which I thought was great. Where that homophobic neighbor shows back up and decides that he needs to take her out because it. She's going to assume rightfully so that mm-hmm. he's the one to tie the guy up to die comes in sees her sleeping in bed stabs her but it wasn't her it was the dad's dead body and she fucking beans him with a pan (laughs) which is great good and the best part is she's talking to the daughter of the guy which who was wearing a bracelet of hers yeah which which was uh, or yolanda's Mm -hmm. which was her hint that he had been in their house uh, which I would, you can actually, if you go back and look when they first meet, you can see it on her wrist. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty predominant. One of the pictures. I was like, Oh, that's really well done. Um, so she takes that dude after she knocks him out and she ties him to a fence and lets him deal with it. So I thought that was really great. Just revenge. So, and then just as quickly as they left, she's back to Jackdaw street. She's back to where she came from. Uh, she gets back and Templeton's back. The kid's okay. The kid is okay. <laughs> Uh, the hot, sexy dude's okay. The guy's all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah everything everything seems to be fine. Uh, we do hear thunderstrike, crocoom as the issue ends. Um, I'm very curious to see how they're going to wrap this up. <laughs> so, I know. As as someone who knows what's going to happen. Oh yeah, uh, I'm very curious. <laughs> so, um, but it's it's really really good. I think you'll like like the twist. Okay. And and uh, uh, yeah. I think it's interesting because it was a short story. Right. So it's not a lot of lore in a short story. You know what I mean? You get in, you get out. It's very much a quick thing. So it's very interesting the way they did. So, yeah. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I did. I did like this one, too. I mean, the the, the beginning, I thought it was just very funny where it's just uh, it's probably like the slowest crash in history. Uh, the tractor going through like the building and like the guy's like doing nothing to stop it or stop her. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then like the shock of like the dad outside was like, oof, like fuck. Again, like this, like this book is just very much in fashion with like the Joe Hill and Stephen King side of it all. So it's like, oh fuck, this is brutal. I can just imagine this like in the visualizing as a, as I'm reading a, a Joe Hill property. Yeah, definitely. Um, that brings us to our last image book, which is image number one. Wait, before we go into like a bunch of like minis as we are, did you read the the little preview at the back of Noctera for Eight Billion Genies? Yes, it looks adorable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's gonna be a chaotic mess. <laughs> I'm very excited about that book. So yeah. Okay, so actually with image number one, 
I read it. I liked it, but it's 10 stories. Oh, yeah, dude. So what I was going to propose we do is each of us pick a story to talk about. Okay, because honestly, I didn't even, uh, I just, I skipped out um, minus the last, I think minus one. I skipped out on all the uh, of 12s because I'm going to let those like brew for a second. Yeah. Um. Okay, well then uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm actually going to talk about the first story. I like the blizzard. I like the setup for it. Ooh, okay. It's the Jeff Johns story. It's about a guy whose kid was killed by like this fucking murderous pervert. And when he's arrested, he's like gloating about it. So the dude walks up and shoots him in the head. Oh, and nice. so, so now he goes to prison because he did it. And he had a former conviction of assault on his record. So they're like, it's, it's a pattern of violence. And it's snowing as he's going to prison. And as he's going, there's this up in the mountains. Ooh, oh, my God. Okay. And that's where it cuts. I really like that. I thought that was really cool. Is there one specific one you want to talk about? Um, the, uh, some of them. <laughs> the the stupid fresh mess. The Scotty Young one. Like, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, wait, it just... It's like, all right, I need an essay. And it's like... It's like there was no rules against, like, the font size. So it's like, I'm just going to blow the blow it the fuck up. <laughs> um, I really like the, the, the side story to Bolero. Wait, that's the side story to Bolero? I mean, it almost looks like it. I mean, like, it looks like her, but, like, when she kind of, like, gender swaps, and then, like, she looks like the, the, the one she's uh, obsessed over, like, the, the ex-girlfriend. You know, it probably is. And it's like by by Wyatt and that is that's got to be her, yeah. It's, it's the same creative team. I didn't even put that together to be honest with you. I think I, I thought it was one of those. Twi- I, I I was I gathered that it was one of those like twisted like fifty three lives because in the sense. end it was just, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, good stuff. I I really enjoyed the book. Uh, there's gonna be more of these from what I understand. Mm-hmm. This is just a number one, and these look really nice. So I'm gonna buy them all. <laughs> oh, and there was um and there was um. Oh, and I got this cover. I think there were two covers. Just in case. yeah, I got that one too. Yeah. I got the uh, and also the the radium black uh, little spinoff story too. Yeah, I was going to mention that one as my favorite, but then I like the blizzard more. So mm-hmm. nice. Uh, all right, so that means it's time to open the vault. Man, do we have a vault week this week? Um, we are blessed in abundance with vault this week, and I'm very excited because. We don't just have a lot of vault. We have some good vault. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, first, I'm going to start off with my uh, my usual praise of Heathen being reprinted. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, gorgeous. I love that goddess. Uh, I love that Valkyrie. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. I love it. Uh, of course, written and drawn by Natasha Azarici and lettered by Rachel Deering. So, we're not going to talk about it because it's not a new release. But I just have to shout that out because it's absolutely beautiful release. Yeah. So. Uh, Next up, Human Remains number seven. This felt like a series ending until it didn't. <laughs> like, so, um, written by Peter Milligan, drawn by Sally Cantorino, colored by Dear Kelly, and letter by And World. Um, it's interesting to see how we're progressing, and our two, as we talked about, our two main characters who've been kind of pursuing their own ways. We don't really see the general for most of the issue. He only pops up once, but they do come back together, which is interesting. We spend an awful lot of time with the minister, mm-hmm. uh, who is a gigantic piece of shit for the record. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting. We see a lot of deaths in this one too. 
I think it's the most deaths we've seen since the first issue, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's like almost like what we were talking about the other book, where it's just like nobody's really learning anything, or to yeah make anything good about this, or just like or to try to be try to move forward from this. There's everybody's just still not getting it. And then we uh, we do close off with a tease that we might have lost one of the main characters. Oh yeah, uh, definitely lost somebody in that scene. But it doesn't show straight up who all is killed. I know. Just a smear of blood. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen there. Um, this, I, is this over? Is this going to be over? One more issue, you think? I have no idea. Again, with these vault numberings, like, who knows? It's just, we just need to enjoy them, enjoy them for the ride. Yeah. I, I'm digging it, though. It's, it's really interesting. I love that the solution to the problem is mushrooms what's wrong with you people <laughs> she, she does make it a point but it's also like the very like go-to excuse like it's, it's not about the highness like you don't get high from it it's just like that's, that's, that's not the important part it's just it just helps yeah um but yeah I, I do like that being the solution and the government trying to process that being like yeah. what <laughs> no bullshit <laughs> like, like just like they would uh next up is another this one is a penultimate issue. Okay. Uh, and because we, we, we were told that at the end of it. The Rush, number five. Written by Cy Spurrier, drawn by Nathan Gooden, colored by Addison Duke, and lettered by Hatsan Atsmani El Hau. Holy crap, are there a lot of reveals in this issue? Yeah. Um, not wanting to get into spoilers, but we do find out basically why this is all happening and how we got where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, We also get to see the reveal of the person that's behind everything, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting scene in general, I think. Um, And we also get to see a little bit more about her past as well. Oh yeah. And maybe the mistakes she's made in her life, which I thought was a really interesting thing to add, especially at this point. So, um, also, yeah, as I said, we do get a to be concluded at the end Mm -hmm. and we're left on the biggest cliffhanger ever, which I'm not going to talk about. I'd call it the book. Yeah. What one of, yeah, we were both kind of leaning towards something like that, but she did straight up call it. So, um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. It's been such a great Western. I just love the art so much. It's so good. Um, what do you think, dude? I, I just think I, I just I really love the aesthetics to this because, like, I, I mean, I'm just a sucker for um, like with westerns, and but mostly all westerns are like very desert uh, desert uh, areas. So when we get like a really snowed in like western story, like I'm all about it because it's just like they're just like not in their natural habit, they're not in their comfort zone, but obviously it's not a comforting place to be just being in those times and just being in so fucking cold and not having monsters around this has been a fantastic book and yeah like this was just like dropping three major things like all in one four i guess like with her past two now that i think about it uh it was a very good issue a very packed issue but in a very good way yeah definitely i i really liked it um yeah and it's coming to an end which is interesting so it's gonna be a sixer uh, next up we ride titans number three uh, I got this cover. Yeah, same. I just really liked that cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, written by Tristan. Now, now I'm noticing what they say about. Yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah. Art by Sebastian Perez, colored by D. Cunniff, and lettered by Jim Campbell. Um, obviously, it's her first mecha fight, and that's like the whole whole point of this. And mm-hmm. um, long story short, her father 
her father should not be the person behind, should not be the guy in the chair, if you will. You know what I mean? Uh, so I like that. It's fucked up because he is in a chair. So sorry. Yeah, I mean, you, you know what I mean. Like, no, I know, I know what you mean, but it shouldn't, like a... it shouldn't be Ned. <laughs> no, yeah, I, know, I got you. <laughs> so, um, it's interesting because he, um, w- when we first meet the son, he seems like such a piece of shit. You know right, like, he, like he's the one messing it all up. Yeah, but then we start seeing how this family works and how there's like, oh, maybe it's not really his fault. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so. I think that was really well told. And I like the tease that he's actually, even though he's not going to be very good to be in the suit anymore, he might be the best person to walk her through things. He might be the he best knows person the to suit, be though. in the chair. Yeah. yeah. So I really liked that. I thought that was a really cool way to tell that. And, uh, of course, the waffles. You know, waffles. we, we, we got to talk about the waffles. Um, just the story about, like, how their family is. And... Literally, how the dad, what the value he places in them. Yes, and, that's and, exactly right. And from what it comes from, is completely wrong. It's completely backwards. Yeah, and that's what led to the end of their their family. Basically, like what happened to their family. Um, also, shout out her baby. You can drive my car. Love that. Love that shirt. I want. <laughs> yes. um, and I love the idea of them going out for waffles, and then the son at home making like literally like. like his go-to like he's it's already ingrained in him and it's like after a mission that's the comfort food it's like god i hate this fucking dad yeah i i can see her enjoying it with the brother being her her voice i think oh, that'd for be sure. really cool that'd be a good like way to pivot i think uh, i really like this it's probably my favorite issue of the series so far yeah um nick asked me i was like oh how do you feel about that book um and at first, like before reading the, this third one, like I straight up just said it, like you know, it's, it's starting out. Like I, I can't fault it for starting out. Like we're just getting to know, know the characters, and then yeah, this is my favorite issue so far because this, this is what I've been waiting for. Like now that we know them, we can actually get to get to know them. And yeah, like the whole like the waffle scene was just very impactful. And then like the 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 scene changed to him being alone with them with the waffles. Like ah, like a great issue, great great book. It's funny because it's a giant mech game or mech story and it has a mech fight and we didn't talk about the mech fight at all. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> because because it's about the personal stories. That's what this book is about. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. So. It is, and it's that because like and like and we're we're kinda hyping up the brother and being like, Oh, he might be like the good one for the chair, but it's like he's still struggling. But, yeah, but he's obviously not perfect. <laughs> like, exactly. So, he's like, still struggling. Like oh god, like the, the cliffhanger with it is like, ah, oh, can we all just talk to each other, please? <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember, I'm really digging it. I think it's building really well. So, um, Next up, and finally, the last Vault book. And it is the last book you'll ever read. <laughs> Number seven. Written by Cullen Bunn. Drawn by Layla Lays. Color by Vladimir Popoff. And letter by Jim Campbell. So this is the awesome cover I showed you last week. Last right. week. But... Of course, there's a, a naughty cover. There mm-hmm. always is. So, I think this one was actually done by the artist, right, from the book. Um. Yep. Oh, ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So. Awesome. It's uh it's a lot. <laughs> so I love it though. <laughs> um, this book has gone there i love it um 
So basically the world is slowly being taken over by this primal urge to basically kill and murder and consume and stuff. And we have the author who seems to be the only person who's pretty much immune to it. And her boyfriend who is her bodyguard and he promised her he wouldn't read the book, but he ended up reading it. So he's starting to struggle with it. So at one point she's attacked by her agent who is like taken over by it and he stops the agent and then he goes to tear her neck out with his teeth. And she's like, what are you doing? And she manages to stop him. And that's kind of what it is. It's the two of them trying to like stop everything. Um, there's this amazing scene where they're hiding in the forest and there's some people going past and they're like smelling for him and he's like losing control. Right. Yeah. And there's this two page spread of him just absolutely massacring them. Oh shit. Yeah. And then this shot of him coming to his senses and then this. What? Yeah, it's like what it's like them as like the king and queen of like oh, just the wilding. And that he has to come to senses and that's kind of what was happening. Um so they're able to hide from them. They're in some more people, they get away from them. And they basically like they're talking about like what can we do? Can we even fix this? And uh they're talking about like you know, maybe you can change the books and you're the one that technically wrote it this time. And she's like, do you think it might listen to me? And he says, do you think God was happy with the way the Bible turned out? And she kind of <laughs> looks at him and she goes, let's go ask. And it says, to be concluded. What? Oh. I know. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. This book is so good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, great, great thing. So really, really enjoying it. Um, highly recommend. <laughs> I love that book so much. So, <laughs> All right. Now, if you're ready, we're going to talk about the big two this way. Let's go. DC time. Got some books to talk about. I'm going to start with Batman Urban Legends, uh, which is, of course, the anthology book. We have some new stories starting, and we have some favorite stories continuing. So this is probably the the best era of Batman Urban Legends for me since the beginning, since we had the Red Hood story. Okay. Um, First one is Batman and Zatanna, part four of six. Nice. Written by Vida Ayala and drawn by Nicholas Esmegia. Colors by Nick Filardi and letter by Steve Wands. The second one is a one-shot story, which is Batman and the Question, Vic Sage, the Question. Hmm. Um, written by Ryan Cady, penciled by Giuseppe Comancoli, inked by Kam Smith, um, colored by Sebastian Chang, and letter by William Schubert. The second one is one of three, the new Birds of Prey we talked about a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Written by Che Grayson, art by Serge Acuna, colors by Ivan Placencia, and letter by Josh Reed. And then the final story is the continuation of Ace the Bat Hound, written by Mark Russell, art by Colin Mustard, colored by Prish Mulvihill, and letter by Steve Wands. Okay, so Batman and Zatanna has just been really, really good. Um, it's it, it has Constantine. It also has Dr. Fate in it now, too. The fuck? Okay. So, yeah, so they're dealing with, like, stopping these magical creatures that are draining the life of Batman and Zatanna. Batman ends up going to quote the other side, mm-hmm. basically sacrificing himself. And he runs into Constantine with a puppy. So, um, and basically Batman's like, Oh, here's my thought. I can be on this side and I can anchor this. And then we can do basically it's, it's magical mumbo jumbo. And Constantine's like, yeah, that's actually really smart. I can't believe you came up with that. <laughs> so that's what they're going to do. Really good. 
the question story is my favorite because you know I love the question. It's yeah. one of my favorite DC characters. And basically is the question comes to Gotham and tells Batman, listen, I think Bruce Wayne's a bad guy. <laughs> He's like, he calls it a conspiracy theory. He's like, conspiracy theory is an ugly phrase. He's like, but this is, you know, and it's like, talks in his very noir way. He's like, basically says, Bruce Wayne is corrupt and he's helping the villains or the bad guys. And Batman's like, <laughs> like, what do I tell you? Well, Batman, and, see, when you think about it, every time you let the Joker go, that makes you a bad guy. Well, he doesn't know Bruce Wayne's Batman. <laughs> I know. So it's, it's a funny thing. So, I mean, does he, well, it's something well, I'm just talking straight up to so, Batman. Not even. I know. So, so he's like, Hey, listen, I, I want to break into this Bruce Wayne facility. Because we can look at these these financial records and you see he's channeling funds a certain way. So they break in and um, he finds out the money is being channeled, but it's not him. It's the people that work there. They're not telling him. And so the question's like, see, it's proof. And he's like, he's like, oh, what? Like Batman starts defending Bruce Wayne. He's like, oh, what is he like? Your benefactor? Is he the one that gives you money? And he goes, no, Vic, because I am Bruce Wayne and takes his mask <laughs> off. And he goes, oh, checks out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and then, like, after they say goodbye, the um, Batman leaves and, and Question pulls out his little notepad. He's like, I was wrong about Wayne, all right. Not an ulterior motive to be seen, but I had to do my due diligence. And he had already written down Bruce Wayne as Batman. Oh, nice. He said it took conspiracy theory to prove it, and he put it underneath it, and he can be trusted. Oh, so it was all a test. He knew he was Bruce Wayne the entire time. Dope. Amazing. Question's the best. Um, the new Birds of Prey is fucking awesome. Um, the team is great. It's uh, Lady Shiva, Katana, um, uh, Ghost, and um, Miracle Molly. And th- it's, it's a lot of fun. They're having to deal with the fact there's a new app that can basically help you relive your memories. And it's actually giving people access to your entire lives. So it's really cool. It's only the first of three. So we'll see where it goes. And the last one is Ace the Bat Hound. And do you need me to tell you anything about Ace the Bat Hound? <laughs> so, uh, good stuff. Next up, Bat Girls, number five. Um, this one is written by Becky Clune and Michael Conrad. Art by George Corona. Color by Sarah Stern and letter by Becca Carey. This is a really good issue. <laughs> um they're basically they've developed this group of villains that are all out there and now they're taking them out one by one. Um, so this is the, um, the, uh, Oh God, what are they called? The saints. These are the guys that used to be in the magistrate, but, uh, the magistrate's gone, but they're still getting orders from Simon Saint who's dead. Um, turns out it's, it's, uh, seer, um, Barbara's big arch nemesis is faking his, his uh, appearance, basically. So they take them out pretty easily. It's pretty funny. Um, they're also trying to take down that artist guy from another issue. And Barbara goes to check in on her ex-boyfriend that, from that one issue. When I was like, stop cheating on Dick, Barbara. Hmm. And um, turns out he's a bad guy, too. <laughs> so, so it's all just all coming together. And they end up in Arkham. And um, they're having to stop the bad guy who has mind-controlled, like, a lot of people. And there's a moment, easily the moment of the issue. Uh, Cassandra's on the roof, and she's like, they're coming. 
And it's like, what? Who's coming? I think everyone. It's all these mind control people. It's like a zombie horde. And it's like, hey, sit tight. Where are you? She's like, the roof. She's like, I can take them. And nothing makes me laugh more than Cassandra Kane being like, I can take everyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, which she probably can. Um, and then uh, it it does have her up there. She's overlooking it. It's like a it's like a zombie horde, and she does this awesome superhero job, oh, right? Dope. And it says, um, "In exactly three weeks, Cass will watch the Night of the Living Dead for the first time, and she's going to love it." <laughs> <laughs> like I loved it, dude. It's so good. This book is really like uh, just so much fun. I mean, I still think I think they're they are portrayed a little young for me. Uh-huh. I think they're a little more mature than that, but it's it's fun. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so. Which brings us to our final Gotham book, Future State Gotham number 12. Yes. Uh, so I had to get the deluxe cover of this one because it was the only one left, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, so I don't even know what the other one looks like. I don't know I what you got. Aw, is this Simone DeMeo? Yeah. Aw. <laughs> I think they've been doing it the last couple of them of this. Yeah. yeah. I just hate missing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Dennis Culver, art by Giannis Mil- 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 Milano Giannis, letter by Troy Pateri. Um, so, yeah, it's the new Batman and Red Hood against the next Joker. And uh, it's, it's, it's fun. They both have like little robot suits. I like, I like the way they solve the problem. <laughs> I thought it was pretty great. Yeah. How to stop him. Um, yeah, everything seems to be good. I like the bit with Hunter Panic. Yeah. And Harley, unfortunately, kind of being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious to see where that goes. I think Hunter Panic might become like Jason's Robin. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I was getting. So, And everything was going wrong just fine. Everything was going wrong just fine? <laughs> no, going along just fine. Oh, okay. Sorry. Everything was going just fine. So they stopped the next Joker. He's going to jail. Great. Oh, he's going to get broken out. That's cool. That's a, that's a trope. I'm fine with that. <sighs> Yeah. Then the real Joker shows up, and I don't want to read this comic anymore. <laughs> I can't stand Joker. I'm I so know. fucking sick of that character. Um, and then Dick Grayson also woke up from his woke up from his prophecy coma. <laughs> God damn it! And declares himself, "I shall become a bat." <laughs> oh, buddy, lay off the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was meant to be funny. But it was. <laughs> so, but it was, especially with the context of this book and his little path. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yeah, it was good stuff. I loved it, obviously. But God, I don't want this to come about the Joker. Can one book not have you about the Joker, please, for one God's sake? Uh, you didn't bring him up. What do you think of uh, Hush coming into play? I like Hush. Um, I I liked Hush when it was a personal vendetta against Bruce Wayne. Okay. I don't... He's one of those villains I don't see really going beyond that. Beyond that? Beyond that motive? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, like, why would he do that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why, why, why? He had a motive, and he they should stick to that motive. And it should always be about getting revenge against Bruce Wayne. That should be his whole drive. So whatever's going on here, I'm not sure. And the past with Harley, you know. Yeah. And just because of the nature of Hush's appearance, it could be a different person. You never know. True. Like, so... But yeah, I mean, I I like Hush, and I'm optimistic, but I'm not, you know, yeah, yeah. sold yet. So yeah, good stuff though. Mm-hmm. Next up, holy shit, dude! I think this is the final issue of Green Lantern in the current run. Okay, kind of tease that it might be the end. Oh, but Jeffrey Thorne 
takes it home in this issue. <laughs> nice. Written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci, colored by Mike Atea, letter by Rob Lay. So, the Green Lantern Corps has been completely destroyed, as in none of them have powers anymore. Ooh. Even even uh, Sojourner, who had like those other powers, yeah. lost them. <sighs> um, so, now they're fighting against this forbidden guardian, and they don't have their powers to stop him, and it's all kicking off, right? Meanwhile, running alongside this, the entire run has been Jon Stewart getting these godlike powers for some reason. Mm -hmm. Well, Jon Stewart is insanely powerful, and he has the, the person called The Source talking to him, which is the source of everything. And they're trying to talk to him about, you know, you have this power, you have a responsibility to use this power for the right thing. And he's like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. So he does this. Oh, what? And basically back on Oa, everything that's broken is repaired, first of all. They make a point of that. Even the, sh they, like, it's the ship's in orbit. Mm -hmm. They're like, even that thing we broke like weeks ago just repaired itself. It's like, okay. And um, this is what it looks like now. This this orb on okay. Oa, right? Yeah. And Hal Jordan's there, and he's like, "It feels like a beacon, like it's calling to me." And then he goes, "Whoosh!" Oh. He's a Green Lantern again. And they gather all the lanterns up because they're like, "Okay." And there's a great moment where Flash is like with a bucket of Green Lantern rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So that was great. Um, and they gather them all up, and they all reach out to be re-energized again. Oh, that is so cool. Now, here's the key. So they get they they get it. Sojo's back. Yay. She's so great. But then some of the Green Lanterns are like, why the fuck am I a Star Sapphire? Oh, they got re-ringed? Yes. And this one's like, I'm not saying the Blue Oath. Like, And so it's like, what? what happened? They're like, I don't know. Blue's awesome, though. I know, right? Um, and then uh, there's also uh, Simon Boz, the the, the yeah. human the human one. He didn't get a ring. No, I I saw him in the next panel. I thought I thought that was like a White Lantern, but I was like, oh my god, it's nothing. Oh my god, what? He didn't get a ring. And then this happens. All the rings start circling him. No. And he's like, he touch reaches out and touches one, and he can see. All the dead lanterns. He can talk to every dead Green Lantern. What now. the fuck? Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> dude, this is dope. <laughs> like, so that's basically what John Stewart uses power to do is to restore the Green Lantern core. <sighs> and so he also he's not back or anything like that. He's <laughs> he's gonna do his thing. And then at the oh no, he does come back at the end. So at the end, they're talking about like it kind of is like where Flashpoint took place. Okay. Uh, or not Flashpoint, um, Future State. Okay. Where he uh, is in the future and he's like, they don't have powers, you know, because this is kind of where Green Lantern deviates from Future State. Oh, okay. Because remember, Future State, it was the power batteries killed. They were all, they all, none of them had powers and stuff. That was the whole point of it. So this is where it deviates in that he gave their powers back. Much like Gotham, they kicked the magistrate out. So, yeah. So I believe they're on the same planet they were on in Future State where they're trying to save all the locals and they're like, talking to him off screen being like you have all this power and blah 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 and then there's a big explosion and with these bad guys a big explosion and it says slavers drop your weapons you have 10 minutes to clear the planet this market is closed forever these people are free 
this planet is now under the protection of the Emerald Knight. Oh, what? Right? Oh my How god. How dope he looks. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> and then it says John Stewart and the Emerald Knights will return. Oh, that's cool. That's a cool concept for a book. Yeah. I am here. Instead of Green Lantern Corps, it's the Emerald Knights. Yeah. I dig that. Like I really like that. This is this blew me away. I really like it. That's cool. Such that's a great cool. culmination of twelve issues. Like mm-hmm. I loved it. Okay. So next up. Me and Josue both read Nightmare Country number one from the Sandman universe. Yes. Um, written by James Tynan the Fourth, as only James Tynan the Fourth can do it. Uh, art by Alessandro Estherin, colored by Patricio Del Pelch, and letter by Simon Bolin, with additional art by Yannick Paquette and colors by Nathan Fairburn. So we go back to the Sandman universe and. You go back to a fan favorite character. I guess fan favorite is a way to say it because mm-hmm. he's a spickle piece of shit. But um, the Corinthian, yeah, and I love the Corinthian. By the way, in the Sandman audiobook, the Corinthian is done by Riz Ahmed. Riz, yeah, and it's amazing. Like I love it. So we get to see more information behind. I mean, I, mean, I guess not even more information behind the Corinthian, but we get some teases about what's going on with him and this chick who draws him and it's really interesting. And I'm kind of curious to see what that's going to mean. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I really, really dug it. Um, and I just, I, I just miss having a Sandman book. I should have been buying the, the other books this entire time, mm-hmm. but we also get to check in with Mr. Ecstasy and Mr. Agony, which was really cool. Um, and also, I don't, I don't know if this is a character they've introduced in the past, um, but the big slug dude with the tongues for eyes, right? Fucking horrifying. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, really cool. Um, I love the Salmon universe. I do tend to more towards more of the light-hearted parts of the Salmon universe than the really dark, deep horror-filled parts. Yeah, but I like the whole thing. So. What did you think of James Tynan in the Sandman universe? It was fucking. It was definitely excellent. Now, is this meant to be uh, taking place when uh, Morpheus is locked away and when, like, when the Corinthian is kind of running around? Oh, is it? Because I mean, because that makes sense. Cause oh, cause the, I, I thought he didn't kill the Corinthian. Did it's kind of. Like, I mean, like the Corinthian is kind of like the one of the first villains that he takes care of, and he kind of just like I believe he kind of almost like reabsorbs him, or like just like because it's like he's just a nightmare. He can control everything about him uh, yeah, so I'm pretty I, sure he just... I thought he um re reconstituted him as oh, okay but uh, maybe i'm wrong i'd have to double check because i'm in the middle of my salmon reread so right uh but but this was really fucking cool and the, and i like that it was like a very corinthian central story like there's like there's no mention of morpheus no diving into the seven or i mean we go into the dreaming and we get to see some familiar faces like the the jack lantern and stuff like that so that was cool but that was just that was, that was about it uh let's just focus on the corinthian it's so good to just <laughs> the horror aspect like i've like I've, I've met very few people where they're just like they ha- they do uh, they do have a mirror phobia and to each their own it's like obviously i can't like can't really fully grasp a cer- certain a fully concept of someone's uh uh rational or irrational fear but then getting this story of like why this old man has hated mirrors his entire life because of the corinthian <laughs> it's like oh my god this piece of shit <laughs> Yeah, just the idea, the Corinthian design, like, yeah. mouths for eyes. It's so simple. And they eat your eyes. They're That's so fucked. It's so <laughs> like, good. 
yeah, I, I love it. It's great. He's definitely in the first volume. He's definitely the villain that sticks with me the most. Mm. Pr- pretty widely. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm wondering if this like this slug dude with the with the tongue eyes is like was a different Another iteration version of Morpheus. Of yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe he's one of the ones that they um. I can't remember what they looked like. The ones that were with the original, or the the superhero Sandman, with the kids' dream. I I'd have to look at that issue again, or that part of the volume again. I haven't checked it because there was like two like dumb sounding dreams that were helping, or that were oh. like taking advantage of them. But yeah, um, but yeah, good stuff. Next up, Superman, Son of Kal-El, number ten. He looks like Sean Mendez on this cover. He really does. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm wondering if they just took a picture of Sean Mendes. And, yeah, written by Tom Taylor, art by Sean Thorme, colored by Federico Bli, and letter by Dave Sharp. Um, this was a really good issue. I really enjoyed this. So basically, the whole thing has been setting up. You read the last issue because it was the one with Nightwing. Yes, and they stopped that guy who had a little explosive device on himself and exploded and killed himself. Mm-hmm. So. Lex Luthor is up on a podium and he's like, Superman is a threat. You know, he's like, he's not even as good as his father, basically is what he says. Um, he's like, you know, all this stuff. And he, he basically brings up everything he's done wrong, including that guy dying in his hands. At the same time, Superman is saving people from a, like a tower falling on this building. And they're scared of him. And he's like, I'm literally just here to help. But they're like, oh, he's going to kill us, you know. So it's like they're turning against him. Great part is he gets a phone call from Dick and Barbara who were like, how you doing? He's like, well, I'm terrified because people think I'm going to kill you. And Dick says, yeah, sorry. I think every hero has to be wrongfully publicly accused of murder at some point. It's a rite of passage. (laughs) But so Lex is doing his whole thing. And then Lois pops up in the crowd and starts asking him questions because he basically says like he killed the dude in his hands. And she goes, um, Oh, and when she interrupts, he goes, how can we possibly trust the motivations of a son of an alien and a, and then it's her. And she goes, and a what Lex? And it's like, oh God, it's, it's Lois Lane. Let her in. And basically she walks up there. She's like, my son saw a device in the man's head. It did. De- it detonated. You know, and that's, that's <laughs> why, why he died. And he's like, did anyone else see this device? She's like, yes, another superhero, Nightwing. He's spoken on the record. And he's like, oh, we're supposed to believe the mass vigilantes. He's like, Oh, actually, I thought we'd just rely on your word, Lex. Go ahead. And she pulls out the lasso of truth. Oh. And says, speak your truth. She says, if you have nothing to hide, then I'm sure you won't mind answering some questions in front of the world, Luther. We can start simple. Just reach out and tell me, is President Bendix trying to frame my son for murder? <laughs> and Lex is like, I'm not willing to play your game. And walks off, basically. Oh, you son of a bitch. And then Lois is like, guess this is my podium now. <laughs> like, <laughs> so she does her little speech. It's great. And then um, it's great because they're like, wow, how did you get that? It's just like, oh, this is a rope I painted gold. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a bluff. I loved it. Um, but basically, things are so bad that they need to go into superhero product, uh, protective custody. now. Mm-hmm. But his boyfriend doesn't get to go. There's a moment, though. Because Lois doesn't know about the two of them yet. Oh. Um, so they're like, we're going to have to tell her. And he's like, do you, he's like, do you want me to hold your hand? He's like, yeah. And so it's like, they're holding hands. And he goes, mom. And then she goes, John, can I talk to you in the kitchen alone? And I'm like, oh. She goes in and she gives him a big hug. <laughs> and says, like, I love every single part of you. She's like, you knew. And he's like, 
She's like, I suspect it. I'm pretty intuitive. <laughs> He's like, you thought dad was two different people for a while. <laughs> 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 it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, basically she knew ahead of time. Then Bruce, and then Batman shows up to take him in, take him into the protective custody and tells him that uh, Jay, the boyfriend, is not welcome to go. Uh, I wish they would just like replay the same scene all over again <laughs> for Bruce and for Batman. <laughs> Bruce is like, another one? <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, Bruce is like taking him and, and as they're about to go, John's like, hey, Jay could come with us. You know, I know you don't know him, but he's in Batman goes, I know who he is. I know where he's come from and I know who he's working for. You cannot trust Jay Nakamura. And that's, that's where the fuck. issue ends. So, well, not my Batman then. <laughs> yeah, I know. right? <laughs> fuck you, Bruce. <laughs> I trust him more than you. <laughs> You're a terrible father. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Just last issue, you were, or last week, you were a bad person. <laughs> so, which brings us to our final book of the week, Wonder Woman 786. Um, the continuation of the trial of the Amazons. And we finally start the trial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, after that weird filler issue with Yara Floor, we finally start the trial. Written by M- Michael Conrad and Becky Cloonan. Art by Rosie Comp and Becky Cloonan. Colors by Marissa Louise and lettered by Pat Brousseau. Um, this is really cool. Basically, the trial gets interrupted, and the or did it? Was it the gods? There's this whole thing. Like, yeah. was this intended all along? Kind of thing. And each of them are given a a tool to use. Now, I thought this was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, because it's like Yarflor <laughs> gets a bow with one arrow. Okay, that is a very specific use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Donna Troy is given a lariat. <laughs> Philippus is given a compass. <laughs> Diana gets a fucking sword. <laughs> like, Diana, what do you bring? How is that shit fair? <laughs> Diana, what do you bring? Oh, I brought my sword. <laughs> it's literally like, and Diana get Diana gets a nuke. <laughs> like, it's just like, who's gonna win this fight, guys? <laughs> like, I'm like, Ugh. but yeah, basically, uh, they're they're taken below the below the earth, and they have to work together, and they they pretty much decide to work together without much of a struggle, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool, and they actually. Uh, it's it's I, I really enjoyed it. So. Well, they figure out that these catacombs are like as a place that the, none of them have ever been to. Exactly, yeah. But it is down somewhat near Doomstor Doomstorway. Yeah. So, so they end up fighting Echidna, uh, who recognizes Donna, which I thought was interesting. Um, and they discover uh, that the threat is chaos, and the the caves crush or they they cave in and. Uh, Diana is basically left behind when the other three are able to get away. And so they're delivering the message that it is chaos that is affecting them. And that's kind of where it leaves off. Um, if this takes Diana out of the running for a while, I'll be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Both the other three have a little bit of shine. Uh, but I, I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. I thought the action was fun. I like the interaction of the four champions quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good. What do you think? Um, I, I, I like that we finally get a moment of just like diana and yara by themselves and it's like hey it's cool that we're doing this huh yeah let's go kill stuff (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like how she's like this is really important to my people apparently (laughs) like basically it's like so it's dope yeah like i said i'm glad the trials are finally starting out i I still don't know where it could go there's two more issues to this event uh but yeah i'm I'm excited like that's back we had like two a two-week break from this like a one-week break yeah because we had historia last week yeah yeah that's right and I'm curious to see if um, 
like when we're going to find out about the murder, how it's related, you know, know. And all that stuff. So, there's so, yeah. so much, there's so much left. <laughs> all right. That's the end of DC. Now I will point out this week was the new flashpoint series too. Oh, I have zero interest in flashpoint. Nah. So, okay. We're not going to review it. Good. Okay. <laughs> I've no interest in talking about flashpoint. I didn't want to talk about it when I read it. So, oh, okay. It is what it is. So, Moving on to Marvel. <laughs> um, we have a couple books this week, starting with Captain Carter, number two. Uh, this definitely became a Jamie McKelvey book. <laughs> um, oh, nice. Written by Jamie McKelvey, art by Marika Cresta, colored by Eric Arcianega, letter by Clayton Cowles. So there are still some references to the MCU Captain America movies that I really enjoy, but done in a Captain Carter way. Uh, basically, she's spending all this time working with Strike, which is Psylocke's group, uh, to take out Hydra. And they're sent after like a weapon shipment in Hydra, and they take them out, and turns out there's no weapons. It's human trafficking. Well, we start to find out that in this world, the United Kingdom is very different. Um, the laws have changed. And things like if somebody came into the country illegally, they can't request asylum, even if they didn't do the legal action. Mm -hmm. So these people are immediately put into basically a concentration camp. And her face is all over it because they sent her there with faulty information. And we get the idea probably intentionally. Right. So she's starting to have issues with this. There's also a moment where the leader of the terrorists is Batrock. Oh, and so she confronts Batrock, and they have literally the same fight from Captain America. Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. At the very beginning, where he's like, you hide behind that shield. Why not get rid of it? We'll see if you can back that arrogance up, like Captain America. Right. <laughs> and in the movie, Captain America puts the shield down, and they have a fist fight, right? Mm-hmm. Peggy is much more clever than that. Peggy's like, fine, fuck my shield. And it bounces off and knocks him out in the back of the head. <laughs> See in the fight. She's like, the shield is just a tool. What matters is the person that uses it. And it's like, badass. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she, she basically ends up denouncing the government and goes rogue. And so does, so does Psylocke. Psylocke goes with her. And um, now the government's like, well, now she's a liability. We need to have her killed. So um, yeah, that's where it's going. I really like it. It's going to be like the whole... It's not, um, I don't know, like, like the government's not perfect. Because that's one thing that runs into problems with Captain America-style stories, is it kind of paints the government a little too happily for me. Right. So I like that they're doing this. Also, Tony Stark is on the cover for the next issue. Oh, that's fine. So we'll see what's going to happen there. So. Oh, is his, hand, is his hand opening up? Yes. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Wow, you got a good eye. So. Next up, Eternals number 11. Josue <laughs> did not read this. I'm issue. so fucking behind on Eternals. I'm not falling out. I just forget about it. I got this variant cover. Oh, what? Is that Gwen again? No. Like, okay. <laughs> no, it's just like a Spidey Universe cover. Oh, it's a Spidey what? variant. Okay. Yeah, so... Okay, written by Kieran Gillen, art by uh, Julie um, Villanova, colored by Matthew Wilson, letter by Clayton Cowles. So you know how the Eternals broke into Avengers Mountain, which is actually a dead celestial? Uh-huh. Um, so they're breaking in. A couple things are happening all at once. First of all, 
Sprite is distracting uh, Kid Starbrand. So that's fine. Write them off for this issue. They appear in one panel, basically. Um, Icarus, Cersei, and Gilgamesh are outside as the backup because they're not very stealthy. Right. And, then, and the rest of the Eternals are inside, right? Uh, the alarms go off. And it's like, yeah, there's a there's a, uh, an intruder. Da, da, da. Now, while this is all going on, Thanos is destroying a town using a volcanic vent. So Icarus and his team have to go stop that. Mm-hmm. So they're not there, right? So the Avengers show up uh, to like at the alarm thing, being like, what's going on? And they run into Skullathar the Destructorite. <laughs> who is like, I have journeyed across a trillion dimensions to face you, Avengers of Earth. And the commentary is like, literally, where he goes, I'm Skullfather the Shark Right. He goes, he isn't. It says, I've journeyed to. No, he hasn't. <laughs> it's like, beware, my black blades of ebony destruction will annihilate all they touch until all remains is a murdered scream. And Black Panther goes, he's bluffing. <laughs> like, he's like, uh, no, I am the Obsidian Legion of the Mortaverse. Pitiful pulse possessors. Like, it's Kingo. Oh, gotcha. he's acting, trying to distract yeah. them so they can get the thing done before they actually show up. Um, there's a really cool moment back at the town they're trying to save where um, Ajax tells them there's a pocket dimension generator in her home back at base. Mm-hmm. They have one minute to save this town, right? Oh, Icarus fucking takes off, Just makes it back to base, air. grabs it, pulls it, brings it back. They use it and it makes a bubble around the town, right? Mm-hmm. And every person inside the, the bubble has their own personal bubble, right? Okay. But they have to move the town because basically it's about to be a volcano underneath them. Yeah. So these three Eternals, just these three Eternals, lift the entire fucking town. Holy shit. And carry it away from the <laughs> wind, basically. And so it ends up crashing, and they're like, oh, you destroyed our city. And then they see an explosion off in the distance. Like, yeah, that would have been your town, motherfucker. <laughs> and... um that's when the Avengers team shows up to handle what's going on. And they're like, what are the Eternals doing here? And it's, um, it's kind of a powerful team. It's Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Thor, and Echo as Phoenix. Oof, yeah. So that's a, that's a fight. Yeah. Um, but they leave Captain America and Black Panther to deal with the Destructorite, a.k.a. Kingo. Mm-hmm. And they make a note that's really cool. It says... Um, that Kingo was made to fight. He knows martial arts forever, you know, basically. Yes, he can fight Black Panther and Captain America simultaneously, but he can't win. Oh, and I'm like, ooh, that's like a good stalemate. Oh. Yeah. And um, basically, that's kind of where it leaves off. Ajax is still trying to talk to the dead Celestial. Well, the third rule of the Eternals means they cannot, they cannot hurt a Celestial. It's just not in their code. They can't do it. But it seems like it's not true for the ghosts of Celestials. And she's just beating this Celestial ghost. Trying to get the information out of it. And she looks really angry and says, "Um, Ajax listens, understands, and wishes she had hit the Celestial harder. And then it says, to be concluded. Oh, no shit. 
Yes. I don't know if it's just the arc. The arc, yeah. Or the book. Uh, maybe, maybe they're doing something different coming out of the the crossover. I want to say the arc. Because, I mean, yeah, we have, we, have, we have the Judgment Day event coming up. And also, this isn't Asad Ribic drawing it either. It's not, no. So it's like, that, I figured that, would, that was like the creative team, Ribic and with Gillen. Yeah, so I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah, they might renumber after the event. Mm, maybe. So. Next up, Black Panther number five. Oh God, yes. Okay. Can't believe I was an idiot. I got the second printing of number four. I got this cover. Nice. It's a Spidey cover. <laughs> um, written by John Ridley, art by Joan Cabal with Stefano Landini, cover by Matt Me and letter by Joe Sabino. Um, I really, really like um what they're doing here, and I really like Omolola. Oh my God, yes. I'm really, really liking that character. Yes. This, by the way, that's a Wick Div shot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i really liked that that was great um but yeah basically we're trying to dig into it and shuri and t'challa think she's the traitor but she obviously isn't we can kind of tell ourselves and it seems like it's someone inside the government that's doing it and we haven't gotten a con- confirmation of it but there's an idea of who it is um they're they all end up together working together black panther uh shuri and Omalola, and uh, he basically is able to get out, but without his Black Panther outfit, which leads us to one of the coolest final pages of a Black Panther book ever. <laughs> yeah, so dope. Um, a lot goes on in this; it's kind of hard to summarize, but it's a lot of political intrigue, mm-hmm. and we'll kind of see the after effects of that later on. But what did you think? Um, fuck, I mean, I did like this part, but it's like I'm after, I'm, I'm not that I didn't like it at first, but it was a good payoff when. Um, when Shuri and Omolola are just like talking, or Shuri's trying to inter- interrogate her, and she was like, wait, Shuri, are you trying to like make me some like basic bitch, basically? Like, you, <laughs> you think that was my whole motivation? Or just like a big fat full of like girl stuff is, is what my, was what drove me? Which made sense. Like, Shuri, that's, that, that was really your plan? Or was that you trying to push? Because uh, either way, you still kind of like, you could have maybe thought about that one a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I really like to see where it's going. Yeah, I more and more I'm thinking it's going to be related to that dude we saw the tease of in that uh, landmark issue. Oh, I know, and I think he's in the beginning of the, in the trial, right? I think he's the one sitting next to Shiri. There's like a dude oh, like, who's tatted up. Oh, I didn't. I don't know if that's him or just someone else from that tribe mm. or something. But yeah, I'm excited for, to see what happens because I know me too. He, he has a lot of potential. So. I know. Yeah. Awesome. Next up, Electra 100. Did you read this? Yeah. Oh. Dude, did I read this? What cover did you get? This one. Please. <laughs> Anything ninja and Dyke Ruan, you yeah. have to get it. So written by Anne Nocenti, art by Sid Kothion, colored by Edgar Delgado, and letter by Clayton Cowles. I really like this. Um, it First of all, there's two stories. Let's actually start with the second story. Okay. The second story is literally just an adorable scene with Daredevil and Electra. How <laughs> about a dance? Then they're dancing, and it's great. I love it. So there's not a lot to talk about there. It's just good. <laughs> but the main story, also, oh, they have they do the thing with the the cover gallery, which I always love. On oh, I love that so much too. So that being said, let's go back to the main story, and it is Electra and Typhoid Mary, which they're tying more and more together in the comics as we've been reading. Mm-hmm. They keep making her out to be like her bullseye, basically, um, which I think is really interesting. And we get to see a lot more of Typhoid Mary than Electra than I thought, which I thought was really cool because 
there's not a lot of people that understand Typhoid Mary very well. Right. That don't really deep, dive deep into the comics. And I think this gave us a really cool idea of what she's about. It also gave us a new perspective on her relationship with Kingpin. Mm-hmm. And like the nature of it and stuff, which I thought was really cool. Um, and to see her with the braids, you know. Oh, like those the, devil like, braids? I'm about to make some of mine this week. <laughs> so cool. I really, really liked it. The action was really good. Um, really cool uh, cameos by uh, Dr. Voodoo and Thor, which I thought was really cool. And Storm, of course. Yeah. I, I really, really liked it. I thought it was really cool. Didn't it feel like a anniversary issue, really? It didn't. Usually 100, like 100 issues that have like those like those three mini stories, four mini stories all packed into one. I didn't think we were going to get like a single story. Obviously, like the, the dance one, too. But like, obviously, this was like the meat of the book. Um, also, like, sometimes they're really big stories. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. This was just being like, oh, it's a fun story. It's a pretty contained one. Or and yeah. <laughs> even Electra, like, uh, they, they make a point out like that that she kind of d- is doing an homage to Daredevil's stealth suit, too. Like, the black suit? Yeah. Um, no, the, the issue was cool, but yeah, very not what I was expecting from an anniversary issue. But at the same time, it's like, is that what's going to make this important to set up something else later? Because it was very, like, focused on what's happening between these two, like, not necessarily, like, the actual story. Yeah, we'll see. And this is also the first time I, I've noticed this, but I saw an advertisement that we're getting a devil's reign omega oh yes that so, fuck yeah I think that's gonna be interesting i think that might reveal a few things for us so i also love that that on a picture on the picture that like her billy uh, her size like are like separate like like his billy clubs mm-hmm. like he's tied up but, like by her size I, I like the way they break off yeah definitely good stuff all right now we're gonna swing over to the streets of new york and talk about a little bit of spidey books starting with venom number seven which isn't actually in new york but Stick with me. I don't think any of these. I don't think any of the Spidey books are in the in New York. Nice. Mm, not the ones we're reading. No. <laughs> um, well, Miles. No. No. Miles isn't nope. either. <laughs> so, yep. All right. So Venom, written by Rom V, pencil by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry, colored by Andrew Alex Sinclair, and letter by Clayton Cowles. This was a really good story. It had a very '90s feel to me in that it's like inevitably tragic. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's the kind of thing that would have happened to Venom in the 90s. But now, unfortunately, we have, you know, our boy Dylan going through the same things. You know what I mean? Um, But, I mean, there's a lot of really good action in it. Um, It's still weird seeing Dylan's head sticking out of the top of a Venom suit. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's kind of, like, too small for the body. Yeah. And then we also get the first like fight with Bedlam. Mm-hmm. Now, Bedlam, by the way, was it, it is my name. I use that in everything. That's always my sign-in name. Nice. So on Discord, I'm Bedlam. <laughs> like, yep. so, um, so I always like that name. So yeah, I'm automatically going to like this character. And so they have a fight. Long story short, at the end, we get a tease that, of course, because he is a symbiote, he's going to be tied to all the symbiotes, just like we learned. And we get, quote, a dad sighting outside Jake's bar. Yes. To be continued. So I think that's cool. I think um I think we're I, I think the next issue might be back to an A Brock issue. Yeah, they have been going back and forth. Yeah, so I think we'll go back there um and get a little more detail about that, which I think is a really cool idea. But I'm really, really digging it. And um yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, no, it was it was definitely fun with like all the all the beat 'em ups, all the all the action uh, throughout from both Bedlam and Venom and the the 
anarchy that's kind of going around. And yeah, fucking Jake, my boy Jake, like that. So not fair. Even even like the 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 other assholes is like, yeah, bro, it's it's, uh, it's pit rules. Like, no, we're not going to help you. And then <sighs> fucking hate this guy. Yeah, it just shoots him like a bitch. Like it's just, uh, uh, you know. I, and I really, I really thought that like his boys were, were gonna like start almost like turning on him, but like no, they just start like opening fire. It's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, they're just like, well, might as well go along with it. Basically, yeah. like we're already here. So. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was again tragic mm-hmm. in a way that you know. Yeah, and you're um, right, and then that total tone of like the throwback to like the nineties and like. Adding like the venom touch to it too, yeah, I, I feel it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, next up, let's talk about Miles Morales. As in, what if Miles Morales became Wolverine? Okay, I enjoyed this book. I want to be very clear before. Yeah. We but I have a very specific thing I want to say that made me laugh so hard. You probably can guess. Written by John Ridley, art by Fareed Karami, colored by Chris Sotomayor, and letter by Corey Petit. So basically, they re they they re envision Miles's entire family around the the Wolverine legend, mm-hmm. but also tied to like all the missing young black kids from Atlanta back in the day in the eighties. That was a real thing that happened that no one was investigating. So yeah. I thought it was cool to tie that in. And Miles basically is a mutant. He's trying to tell his family about it. He's not able to, and he ends up getting taken by the government and again turned into Wolverine. Uh, he fights a sentinel. It's pretty straightforward. He fights a soldier dude who ends up being his father. And then he sees his uncle Aaron, who's also mutant, who has become the new saber tooth, <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, all of this I was on board for. I had no problems with any of this. And then the X-Men show up. <laughs> <laughs> Very last page, the X-Men show up. <laughs> and everybody is normal. Every single person is exactly who they are in our universe, <laughs> except for Professor X's gonky. <laughs> that was so good. It was so dumb. I started laughing so hard. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, sure. I'm like, it, I didn't see it coming at all. No. I was like, Uncle Aaron's coming back up somehow. Oh, he's Sabretooth. That makes sense. Oh, the dad's back. That makes sense. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just stopped dead and started just laughing out loud when I saw it. It's like Yankee's like, yes, I am Professor X. It's like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> Why is everybody else the same? What is happening? Also, Dust is in the X-Men in that group, by the way. Just yeah, I did notice her. So I, it was fun, but it is what it is. But I was just stopped dead when I saw that. I was like, what? <laughs> what did you think of the issue? Uh, no, it, it was it was excellent. I, I, I did like uh, all, all the spins. Um for this what if and yeah like god damn what a punchline in the end because even then like uncle aaron looks pretty funny when, when he like his entrance is like just like seeing saber black it was just like and not even going blackface because it's uncle aaron but it's just like that was like still like a little different but very fitting but god damn it that punchline in the end was just so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah no it's it it was it was cool i mean it's a what if that's what they're supposed, they're supposed to be fun you know what <laughs> i mean so yeah all right, now uh, Josue, wrap us up in the Spidey books by talking about Miles Morales, number 37 slash 277. Yes, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Lost in the Spider-Verse. Written by Saladin Ahmed, uh, artist by Christopher Allen, and David Gurriel on the colors, and Corey Petit on the lettering. So, 
Miles and Shift are venturing the multiverse through a portal from the Assessor. And after a couple of shifts, now they, they end up not being stuck, but in the last issue, they ended up being in this like very Jack Kirby, I'm not sure if it's like the microverse. It's just very cosmic-like. Um, but the only person that's there is his 616 counterpart, Ultimatum. And, of course, there's going to be a brawl. Uh, but it's a pretty sweet one because the two-on-one, and even though Ultimatum has all the ultimates, like just gadgets and stuff and shields, um, it's still no match for uh, two miles on one miles fight, especially when someone when it's someone like Shift. And then, like when when Shift pounces on him and starts like growing like twenty other arms, it's like yo, this is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> so he just like embigifies himself. I like, use like Ant Man powers to just like get him off of him. Uh, but Miles is just like you know what, fuck you, dude. How about a venom blast to your face? <laughs> and how about a venom blast? Or let me then let me take that shield from you. Just yanks it away. Um, and then let me just start punching all like the those Thor cores that, that Thor has like on his chest. So it just starts punching like all all the the, the power like out of his suit, and it's like you're fucking done, son. Um, so of course, like Ultimate is like, all right, all right, I'll talk, I'll talk. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so you're looking for Uncle Aaron, right? Um, yeah, he might be a he uh, he might be a somewhere over here, not in this universe, but there's a portal and a. I thought I might have heard him. Uh, I thought I thought I might have heard some uh, his voice in there, but then I got followed up by some like some bullet sounds, so some gunshots, and like who knows what else. So basically, just like toying, still toying with Miles, and he takes he takes uh, Miles and Ship to, to see like the portal, and he starts saying like, "Yo, like so, why haven't you escaped like this? Why why aren't you going there?" And it's like, and Ultimate says like, "Yeah, I mean like the portal's hungry, but it's not hungry for me. Like I guess I'm the wrong Miles." It's like, what are you talking about? I was like, "I'm talking about your future." It's in there. And at that point, Ultimatum, um, his system starts booting up again through his helmet, and the fucker just shoves him through the portal. Um, and so it closes behind them. And then it's like, oh, fuck, well, where to now? Like, nothing but forward, right? And as they're crossing through this portal, it's like this, like, web of mm. a fucked up timeline. It's basically the fight with uh, Salim, the back when Miles was having his uh, clone saga and like, right. the, like the one perfect one, his name was Salim. He's seeing the events play out only as you're going through it, through the pages. It's basically what if Salim had won that fight and like impaled Miles instead and took the baby and, and took a uh, um, baby Billy. Mm-hmm. So coming out on the other end of that portal is that universe is the universe of Emperor Selim. So we'll see what, and, and, and that for sure, a new arc begins with, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen this ad around. Oh yeah. 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 So that, yeah, that'll, that, that'll happen on the next one. Nice. Awesome. All right. Um, well now it's time to take a trip to Krakoa before we wrap up. You have two X-Men books this week. Josue did not get a chance to read X-Men 92 house of XCII, but I will. Um, Written by Steve Fox, art by Salva Espen, color by Israel Silver, letter by Joe Sabino. I'm going to warn you, it's going to be funnier than you think. Really? Okay. It's more of a comedy than you'd think. Oh my god, awesome. So first of all, the intro page, look at these 90s colors. <gasps> oh, I love it! <laughs> so, um, basically, there's a team of X-Men, and it's Wolverine, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Storm, Rogue, and Gambit. Right? Yeah. And they're like, you know the mission. 
we got to do the thing. And you find out they're on a Master Mold station, which, by the way, that's never not funny. Yeah. Like, Master Mold just chilling is never not the funniest thing in comics. <laughs> um, they're in this, and it's like, yeah, he's going to make things. And so, oh, and Beast is there as well, by the way. Hmm. Um, so, um, they're doing all the things where, like, Storm is doing the announcing her moves. The fury of the lightning surges through me. These machines will know my pain. Something like that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Rogue very much with the southern accent. I hear that, sugar. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's great. Um, Gambit throws a card. It's too close to the edge. It blows a hole in the wall. And Rogue and Gambit die. Ooh. Yes. I mean, we can resurrect them. It's Krakoa. <laughs> is it no um so they're like we gotta do it and then they lose beast too and then they lose cyclops he gets killed storm's trying her best wolverine who by the way is very short like he should be yes finds bolivia <laughs> trask and just grabs him what that is amazing that i know is, he's really short that is he's perfect like, representation <laughs> he's like puck short which i love so uh basically bolivia trask has these plans for Sentinels and stuff, and he's able to broadcast them out before the X-Men can stop him. And then they're like, call him Gene. Or Storm goes, call him Gene. Tell him his, the mission is in his hands now. And it cuts to Magneto Ooh. hovering outside saying, you have my word, Miss Gray. Magneto shall end this. And he blows up the entire station with all of them on board. Oh, what? And then we cut back and we have Psylocke showing people around Krakoa and oh. it's like guardian from Canada and uh, president Kelly, which was Senator Kelly in the, in the cartoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the friends of humanity attack and uh, cause they're actually in the Krakoan embassy in New York. She's like, Oh, don't worry about it. She goes, she talks to cable. She's like, Hey cable, I need an X force strike team at the embassy to take care of these guys. It's like, all right, I'll send a couple people. They come through the portal and it's, Cannonball, Pyro, and Darkstar. What? And it's great because they're also the really cliche versions of themselves. Uh-huh. So Darkstar speaks Russian. <laughs> Pyro says, Crikey, it's a party. Time to throw a few more flatskins on the bomb. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Um, they stop them. It's really easy, right? Then we cut to Krakoa and the X-Men are back? Oh, so what? it is. Yeah, so they can bring them back, right? But the five don't exist as we know them. It's much funnier. And I'm so excited. So they're like, oh, Krakoa. I'll get to that. Krakoa is cool. Cut to this page, this info page. Uh, it's the most 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. And I lived through the 90s. <laughs> um, get to know the five. Thanks to these five moons, death is totally over on Krakoa. First of all, Proteus, who's the only one who returns, by the way, <laughs> okay. uses his reality warping powers to create eggs. Okay. Because gold balls. Is right. Um, containing template bodies. Whoa. Tempo. Oh. Speeds up time to allow the eggs to mature ASAP. Busy mutants have got places to be, you dig? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Healer, which is one of the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. Healer's skill is all in the name. He makes sure the eggs stay happy and healthy during their super fast lifestyle and life cycle. Karma uses her mind swapping powers to transfer mutant personality backups from Cerebro to the brand new bodies. Very new age. (laughs) 
and taking the place of Hope Summers. Yeah. Fabian Cortez. Oh my fucking god. No, 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 no. Powers up the rest of the squad and makes sure their mutant powers work together in harmony when he's not busy sucking up to Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, like, I can't fault it. This There's is, their group shot. This is Karma's, a- Karma's in that unique outfit there, which I think is yeah. interesting. So. But yeah. I mean, so, we <laughs> so stupid. That is, that, it's valid. That's another batch of five. We, yo, the, we can get this fucking party going. In the three, in this world, there are three roles of Krakoa: harm no human, mm-hmm. unless absolutely necessary. Yeah, <laughs> treat Krakoa the way you'd like to be treated. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, and make more mutants. And it okay. puts in parentheses: be sure to ask an adult to explain this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that second one killed me for sure. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the best part is throughout the entire issue they're talking about she's gone and it's unfortunate that she was killed before we could do a backup of her if you've ever watched the x-men animated series there's one character that's missing jubilee oh no she was killed before there was a backup right yeah so xavier and magneto are like yeah, Magneto was only supposed to get involved if they failed, basically, if the message got out, Bolivia to the message, and it's like, uh, we gotta stop it. It's, again, it's Orcus. We gotta stop the robot invasion, basically. It's the same thing. And they're walking together, and they're in like this room, and Xavier goes, at least we bought ourselves some crucial time to, with the destruction of the Master Mold satellite. And someone off screen says, I know I don't look my age, but take it from someone who's lived ten lifetimes and counting. <gasps> Wait, what? The good old days never last. Jubilee is Moira in this world. Oh my god. It's like she a, has the when I die, I come back power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting the Moira, and then you threw me off all over again. It's like, yep. it's like, what if the cartoons did Hawksbox? <laughs> it's so great. It's like, she's like, you think I like hiding down here, letting Wolverine and everybody think I'm dead? And she's like, I've already beaten the high score in every game in existence. <laughs> nice. And she's like, it real, she faked her death with a teleporter, and she reveals, um, Wolverine actually it cuts to Wolverine. He's like smelling her like mm-hmm. a little bit. He's like, that can't be. And um, she says something like, it's all tropical fun or rad dazzler concerts right now. But if Orcus gets up and running, our little mutant paradise is like totally doomed. <laughs> and she actually does mention that the world resets when she dies, just like Mara. So, uh, okay. And she just, ridiculous. Her, and she just kept it stuck to the nineties that she always wanted. <laughs> amazing I, I absolutely loved it it was ridiculous okay i'm definitely gonna be jumping on this one that is amazing can't believe i called that with resurrection as a throwaway joke and that's actually what happened it was such a dumb joke i loved it like everything about it's great but that takes us to mainline x-men x-men number 10 written by gary dugan art by javier pina colored by marte gracia and lettered by clayton cowles we are approaching the hellfire club or the hellfire saga excuse me or Gala. Gala. Blah. Thank you. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is an advertisement for it in here, which does hint at a new X-Men team. And on the cover is Cyclops, Emma, Ileana, um, Laura, but Everett is there still. Yes. So I'm hoping he does not leave the team. I know. Uh, I know Hellfire, there's fire all around. I hope that's not a prelude to the fact that Firestar won. Uh, so let's just throw oh, that I better out. not. Yeah. So basically what happened here is uh, 
they're able to detect on the moon of Mars that the guy took over, that they're able to detect a living piece of adamantium. Some, someone living with adamantium's there. And Laura's like, well, I'm going in. And it doesn't say who she thinks it is. I think she thought it was Scout. Maybe. Uh, she doesn't... I thought she thought it might have been like a, a clone of hers or something. I, I didn't think I, I don't, didn't think it was necessarily scout. She, she mentions like, like something, something about sisters. So which, which is why she always like when she hears this call, it's like she always like. Well, scout is a clone. Her. Right. But it's so, like. <laughs> but I, I, I think I she thought think it, it might have been one of like scout or like one of the scout clones. Because mm-hmm. there was a couple of them. So. Okay. Yeah. But it ends up being Lady Deathstrike. And. Yeah. They have a quick, cool, quick, uh, short fight, and then they find out, of course, that she's dying of adamantium poisoning, which seems to always be the case. Um, they help her escape, which was really cool. And there's um, there's an awesome scene where uh, uh, basically a rogue is just rogue. a badass. Like, it just it's hard to even explain. Um, but rogue basically breaks the sound barrier and has to blast at like the perfect angle to catch them from falling off the moon onto Erico, <laughs> which was dope. Um, they're able to do that. And um, it's really interesting. So yeah, uh, lady death strike wakes up and is like, thanks and bombs away. Um, the other thing I want to mention that at the very beginning, I forgot to mention this is Laura's brought back to life and Proteus accidentally gives her all metal bones. <laughs> He's like, Oh wait, no, that one doesn't have metal bones. My bad. My bad. I don't know. That was great. Like, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, also, we get the finale of the Destiny Rogue Gambit thing, which I thought was pretty funny when oh, she was yeah. like, I hate you in the last issue. <laughs> so, like, she's like, I know what you're about to say. And she's just like, you know, don't, <laughs> basically. Like, um, and then we find out that with the game world, the big threat that's been looming over them, the source they need to give them all the information, of course, is Rocket Raccoon, Rocket. which is fantastic. I can't wait for that. Um, it was a really Laura centric issue and it was really good. And I love the way this artist draws Laura. Mm-hmm. I absolutely adore it. So even like the, uh, even like the close-up shot, like the close-up shot of like, not even like her face, but like when, uh, when Lady Deathstrike just like bounces, but like before that she does say, Hey, thanks. Yeah. And then she bounces and like the little close-up shot of like her saying, you're welcome. Like, yo, I love the way it's, uh, and it's Laura. It's definitely Laura. But it's Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Um, I really enjoyed it. And we're kind of building again, all these bad guys we kind of started the series with are still there. Mm-hmm. They throw a bunch of like monsters of the week at us. And it's interesting. So another thing I think is interesting is the fact that when Nightcrawler saved Erico from the moon falling. Yeah. His dead body is still on the moon. They make a point of that. Yeah. When Cyclops's dead body was visible, he had to go under a different identity now this dude has access to Nightcrawler's dead body. So yeah, that's going to be some complications, either cloning or just revealing it, you know? That's why he grew the beard. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not Kurt Wagner. I'm Bert Wagner, his <laughs> twin brother. See, I have a beard. You like, see? And the exact same powers. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, good stuff. Uh, definitely leading us into the next generation and up to the Hellfire Gala where we'll find out the new member. Hopefully it's Monet. Fingers crossed. Um, Cause I, if I want Everett and Laura and Monet on the same team, 
because Monet is so condescending and Everett's her ex-boyfriend and they were dating when he died. Oh. So he literally comes back having been dating her. They were together and he was like the only person she ever deemed good enough to actually date her. And now he's just with Laura Mm -hmm. and we've never dealt with how Monet feels about that. And so that's why I want her on the team. I want that tension. I think that'd be good. Yeah. And that's a good reason to keep Everett around. So, um, what'd you think? It was a fantastic issue. Like the obviously very Laura Laura centric, but the rogue part, like or when Laura's like, "Yo, ask ask a rogue how good she is at uh, catching fastball specials." <laughs> rogue fly now, <laughs> and the way she had to do like I'll just read this one part. Is like a trip to the Healing Gardens was in order for all X Men who were deafened by Rogue's went supersonic. <laughs> what <laughs> Rogue had to cut had to make an extra trip to be able to reach to them to catch them. Rogue was fucking awesome in this issue. Also this shot. Yes. The, that gun, the gun. Yes. So dope. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. Good stuff. So, and I like the title of the issue is sisterhood of the metal bones. Mm-hmm. That's good. So. Yeah. So that is all the comics that we read this week. Josue, did you read anything else? Yes. Um, as you read as well, uh, we read a Superman Earth one. That was exciting. That was very good. All three volumes. All and, three volumes. Uh, I really liked it. I'd read the first volume multiple times, but I'd never read the other two. And so it was really fun going through that with you guys. And uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you guys liked it. I was kind of worried everybody would be like, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah, no. It was, yeah. The progression of it, I, I, I still would like at least one more for like at least a finale. Because uh, we had like the alien invasion, the 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 superman the personal superman villain one and then we had the the zod story slash luther i want like a full luther like up against luther story which is kind of where it got kind of left off yeah um see i'm just like i don't know but i get it we work in trilogies yeah i liked that we kind of stayed away from the main he- villains mm-hmm. to start with especially. or even then because like we didn't even get kryptonite to like the third book so it's kind of like like okay now, now you can give me all the stuff i've didn't want before yeah yeah and i like parasite he's a very underrated super yeah very for sort of the second one that was fun um yeah i'm glad we, I'm glad we went over that though so yeah, that was no, really a lot of fun so and after that uh i'm starting i'm restarting my journey and preparation for may 17th i'm rereading fables yep <laughs> i need to bust out mine maybe i'll read along with you so yeah like, I'm, I'm sorry i'm i Finished my my first hardcover and halfway into the second one, so I'm two volumes down, and then some of like the the single issues before the actual third arc starts. Nice. Anything else? Uh, no, no, because it's just going to be diving into 150 plus issues of Fables. Yeah, that's my whole focus. My, my whole focus right now. Gotcha. Um, I haven't read much to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I did finish my reread of Food Wars. Nice. Um, I love it. It's just fantastic. Uh. <laughs> Caught up on my other uh, manga as well, uh, My Hero and uh, Vigilantes. Yes, which really is good. Very good. Um, I also finished the audiobook for that first uh, R.A. Salvatore novel, uh, Homeland, mm-hmm. which is just always so good. I always just love that book. It's, it really puts me in a mood. Very melancholy. So, um, other than that. I don't think I've read much of anything. A little bit more Sandman, but that's kind of what what I read when I don't have anything else to read. Yeah. I've mostly been playing Horizon Zero or Horizon Forbidden West every oh. night all night because I'm trying to get done with it. But it's really good. <sighs> Can't wait. Um, I've I've saw this review, 
and I will second my opinion on this review. Forbidden West is the Mass Effect 2 of the series. Ooh. In that it's that good. Yeah, I just really elevated it. Okay. Yeah, so. But yeah, that's it then. Uh, well, I, if we have nothing else to talk about as far as reading goes, uh, I want to thank you guys so much for bringing, being here this week. Those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. So let's run down the plugs. This show is at WHI Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway on Twitter, all respectively. You can also check Hostway out on Twitch at Hostway Plays Hostway, where he plays video games and also does a couple other things, including bag and board his comics for you guys to watch so we can talk about them in a little more detail. Um, he also, every Monday that a Jukebox Vertigo episode comes out, he does a live listen of the entire list, gives his live opinion, so make sure to check that out. That's going to be every Monday night. Now, I hear you asking, Jukebox Vertigo, what's that? Well, that's our other show uh, where we build a playlist every week based on a randomized category with our friends and loved ones. Um, the episode that is currently out right now is 80s Metal, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And uh, and that one was a lot of fun. The one that's going to come out next Monday is the one we just recorded earlier today. And that is birth year songs. So only songs from your birth year, which is a lot of fun because you have to kind of go outside of your normal musical taste sometimes. Or really just start exploring what actually came out your year. It's usually just like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is my music taste. But it's like now I need to go into like a list of stuff that was I don't really look at. Yeah, it it was it's always fun. And you'd be kind of amazed how many so- iconic songs in your life are actually from the year you were born. Yeah. So you would add to hear them much later, you know, like that's mm-hmm. interesting. So, uh, so we're joined by Jess and Manda in that group. So make sure to check that one out when it comes out on Monday. You can check out Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter at Jukebox Vertigo as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we, again, really appreciate every single, every one of you that listens to this. Don't forget to bag, board, and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics.